Voices of the Elephant is proudly sponsored by SiteGround.com, a leader in website hosting and a terrific partner for all your website projects. Their top-notch technologies will make your websites fast and secure. Welcome to the Voices of the Elephant podcast. Each episode of Voices of the Elephant brings you an interview with a member of the PHP community. From project leaders to user group organizers, we talk to the people that are helping make the PHP community special. Hi, and welcome to another episode of Voices of the Elephant. I'm your host, Wasim Karate, and today my special guest is Mike Stowe. How are you doing, Mike? I- I'm doing fantastic. I- I'm here with you on Voices of the Elephant, and uh, it- it's just an honor to, to be with you know, the guy behind 7PHP and all the work you've done with- for the community. So thank you for having me here. Oh, thank you so much. I think the, the last time we met was back at Sunshine PHP in 2015 on that nice cruise boat. We had a chat, and I still remember you as someone who was, who is very gentle. You have wisdom, and you so someone who is very pleasant to have a conversation. I want to start by asking you: Was there an IT influence to your childhood? How did you get into programming? I, I took a weird roundabout way to get into programming. Initially, I, I was going to be a professional basketball player, like you know every you know fifth, sixth grader at oh. the time. And I had an injury to my knee. And so I was told I couldn't play basketball for two years. And so I decided I should do what every cool kid was doing at the time. And, and that was jump on a computer and start building websites. I had no idea what I was doing. Uh, I used a service that was called Hot Yellow 98 at the time, where you you know, click a radio button to choose which horizontal break you wanted, uh, which image you wanted. And I learned about this thing called HTML. It's like, wait, I can actually make this look the way I want it to look. And I don't know why it, it just clicked. I absolutely loved working with the HTML aspects of it and, and building things. I think it was something I could build, something I could create, something I could control. But that being said, you know, I was the only kid that I, I think that I know of that was doing you know, HTML, probably in Minnesota at the time. That's, that's not true, but at least in my school. And I didn't really understand this whole aspect of computer programming, computer science, but I want to learn more. I was uh, going around uh, and it was my birthday. And growing up, my family, we didn't have a lot, but we made do. And so for my birthday, I could buy a book. And so I went to the bookstore uh, with my mom. And we're looking at different books. I'm looking at programming books. And I look at a Java book, and it's you know, about 9 million pages long. And I'm like, no, I'll put this back. Uh, uh, that's way too expensive. I think it was like 70 bucks. Uh, I looked at a C-sharp uh, book, and I you know, immediately put that back because, well, it's C-sharp. I'm just kidding for our C-sharp people out there. Getting too expensive. Uh, and then I found a book. Uh, it was a quick start book by Larry Ullman. And it was, I think, $21.99. And I, I was kind of sad. It was, like, it, it was more than $20 I could get the book. Mama said, you know what? We'll find the $1.99 so we can get this book for you. So she bought that book. Uh, and, and that's when I started, how I started programming. I'd go to the school computer. And uh, you know, I should have probably been doing things like homework. But I'd be on the school computer uh, on this high 98 service, writing HTML, trying out PHP, you know, storing form posts into text files because I know how to use databases yet. And I absolutely loved it. But unfortunately for me, or fortunately, I guess, there weren't a lot of uh, community aspects around back then, at least where I was. The closest meetup was in Minneapolis, which was a four-hour drive. 
the, the two PHP conferences really at the time were, were ZenCon in San Jose and PHP Tech in Chicago. And, and you know, buying a $20 book was a big spend at the time. I couldn't afford to get a plane ticket, fly to Chicago, get a hotel, let alone pay, pay the conference ticket. Ultimately, my journey actually took me a different route. I wanted to be a lifelike paramedic. And so I tell people, you know, I went to school to, to be a nurse. I was going to jump out of helicopters and save lives until I realized, A, I hated needles and B, I hated heights. And that was a terrible combination for me. Fell back in. I was working with the Red Cross and we were doing things the old fashioned way. And so this is for like the, the Gen Zers here. Back to take, take you back to the day. People would call to register for a class. I'd have to get out a binder, flip the pages in the binder, grab a pencil, write their name in with pencil in case they canceled later. It was just an atrocious process. And uh, I think it was Larry Wall said, you know, that the three qualities of a, of a good developer are impatience, laziness, and hubris. And I was a little bit lazy. I said, you know, I can write a program that does. And ultimately, somebody heard about that program and I got a job as a programmer and absolutely loved it. Now, that being said, there's a reason I'm in marketing now. You know, my joke is people saw my code production, said, go find something else to do. But that was my first foray into programming. That's how I got into it. And that's really my first introduction with the community as well. Because, you know, the, the small firm that I joined went out of business. I went to take another job. I remember getting asked questions. One of the questions was, you know, have you worked with multidimensional arrays? I'd never heard of multidimensional arrays. At this point, I've only used, you know, single dimension arrays. And so I'm thinking, what are these? Are these arrays from space? Like, what, what are these magical creatures? The next question was, how do you feel about programming in OOP? And again, I'd never heard of OOP. And so the only thing I could think of was the rap song. It's like, and you know me, I, I, I don't know. <laughs> it was the community that really bailed me out and helped me grow. And that's why I'm so grateful to be here today is because, you know, you've done so much for, for the community. Uh, you know, Cal, who really started Voices of the Elephant, has done so much for the community. It's just, it's just a tremendous privilege to be here with the people who made it possible for me to have a career. That is a very interesting story. Two things that resonate with me with what you have said is it seems like everything followed your gut intuition and everything falls back into the like a puzzle for you. And the second one is you've been uh, attracted to the community at a very, very early stage. At this stage, uh, I want to know who are the key people in the community? You know, I, I think there's several key people in the community, but... I think it's also important to recognize everyone in the community that, that contributes, you know, because it's, it's the little things that happen that, that have that big change. You know, Larry Ullman, I'm going to pick on him really quickly. You don't see him out speaking as much as he used to speak. But without Larry Ullman, I, I wouldn't be here. It's his book that got me started. And then, you know, another one is I, I remember uh, I posted a deck I'd worked on. I think it was for PHP Security uh, or, or ZenFabric or something uh, just on, I think it was Reddit at the time. And this guy by the name of Davy Shavik made a comment on. Now I'd never met Davy Shavik. I hadn't heard of Engine Yard yet. Uh, you're going back way back in the day. But he made a comment that said, "This is pretty good. This could be better, but this is good." And so that that feedback just just helped me out. I think that's the thing we lose sight of is you don't have to be an all star core contributor. And, and shout out to our core contributors. I mean, you got you know Sammy Kaser, Goldman. I mean, they do incredible work as well as all the other contributors. You have the, the speaker circuit, all the trans speakers out there, people you know touting PHP eight. You know, Larry Garfield's talk about PHP. I think Cal's talk about PHP eight. But all it takes is someone to say, "Hey, you got this," or "Hey, I'm willing to help you," or "Hey, you know, I have a few mentors to mentor you." And, and they're just as crucial in this community because without them, you know, we, we wouldn't have a community. So uh, my, my shout out goes to all the people who don't get recognized um, on a regular basis for all the work that they do. 
uh, because again, it was it was those people as well as the you know the, the key you know we'll call them contributors uh, or, or core contributors that, that that helped me get here. Yeah, when I joined the community, it was Ben Ramsey and Liz Naramore and, and people like that, and Ben's still around. Liz has moved on, and you know we're poorer for it because uh, Liz for a long time was a driving force in this community and one of the ones that really helped encourage me and help build me to the point where I had a platform and I was able to help others and encourage them. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I, and I think that's the other thing I want to point out is, you know, sometimes people see like the, the bigger names in the community and, 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 and there's this intimidation factor. You know, we all have kind of imposter syndrome. The, the thing that surprised me uh, very pleasantly about the PHP community was just how friendly, open, and and humble you know the members are. And uh, if I can tell a story about Larry really quickly, I'm gonna pick on him. I was at a conference, and, and Larry was talking about a new book he was writing. Now, if, if you're not familiar with Larry Oman, Larry Oman's behind the Quick Start Guide for about ten different programming languages, and I think he's written like thirty books or more at this point. And, and we're at the conference, and first of all, I was really humble because I was like, "Oh, I'm, I'm really excited to see your talk." I'm sure you're like, "Larry, I learned from you. Like, <laughs> there's nothing I can teach you. Like, you know all this stuff." But the, you know, we're talking about his new book, and this guy walks up, and he goes, "Oh, you're writing a book." And Larry says, "Yeah, I'm, I'm playing around with a few ideas." And the guy goes, "Well, tell me about them." And so Larry starts talking to this guy about the book, and everything Larry says is wrong. And this guy is just like, no, you can't do this. You can't do this. That's wrong. You need to rethink it. And I'm trying to keep my mouth shut. But Larry's just like, oh, I really appreciate your help. Thank you. And after about 15 minutes, uh, Larry's like, you know, I really appreciate your time. I appreciate all the suggestions. I have to give a talk, but this is really helpful. And and I'll definitely take it into consideration. Walked away. Now, uh, you guys know this. I'm not nearly as nice as as, uh, Larry is. And the guy turns to me, he goes, I really feel bad for that guy. I'm like, why? And he goes, he just doesn't have a chance. Like, I'm working on writing my first book right now. I know how hard it is. He just doesn't have what it takes. And I nearly lost it. I'm like, do you know who that was? He's like, no. I'm like, that's Larry Ullman. He goes, oh, the name sounds familiar. <laughs> yeah, like, this is his 30th book. He's been <laughs> to write this book already. <laughs> I wasn't the other guy in this conversation, was I? <laughs> you were not the other guy. Because that sounds a lot like something I would say. No, no, but it, I mean, the point there is, I mean, even though he's done this so many times, even he knows this, his willingness to take suggestions, have a conversation, even with the guy who's being a jerk, and that's just reflective of, of so many people in the community. I mean, Cal, I don't know why, but Cal still laughs at my jokes. Uh, so I mean, it's, just, it's so incredible. And, and same thing, whether, you know, it's Davey Shavak, who wrote the book on PHP certification for Zen, which again, is really, it was a big transitional period in my career because I was laid off and basically made a decision, either I'm going to get the Zen certificate and go, or I'm going to find something else to do. Or if it's uh, Larry Garfield and you're, and you're talking, you know, PHP 8 or Drupal or uh, Sammy Kate. By the way, uh, for those that don't know, just another quick uh, spiel on people. I had a chance to go to a conference with Sammy Kay, and I think we're in Chicago. And we're walking down the street, just random middle of Chicago. And all of a sudden I hear, Sammy Kay. Like this guy has a fan club. Apparently, he's he's a he's a, like basically a professional dancer, and he has this awesome fan club. Uh, so that's the other thing. Like as you get to know the different members of the community, not only are they super nice, super helpful, but they're really cool people. And you're gonna find a lot of interest. That uh, again, I think we stereotype developers. We don't think developers are professional dancers, or developers are actors or actresses, or developers are stand-up comedians. Uh, you know, we had. Uh, 
uh, just PHP, where it was literally a comedy show with PHP. There's just so much goodness in the community and, and everyone's welcome. And I think that's the biggest thing is don't be afraid to jump in. Don't be afraid to reach out to people. You know, sometimes we're a little slow responding, but ping us. And if we can't help, we'll definitely set you up with somebody who can. And then your local meetups and, and we're in the pandemic and local meetups are tougher, but you know, having a chance to meet other people in the community. Again, that's how I really got started was my boss forced me to go to a meetup, my go banks uh, at the time. And, and I'm very grateful he did because it was one of the best things that, that could have happened to me. Will Banks was your boss? Will Banks was my boss. Yes. Wow. That explains so much. No, I'm just kidding. Um, I want to give a shout out to one other person. because my, my theme is people that are no longer part of the community. They're still here on earth, but they're no longer part of the community. Um, Ed Finkler. We don't hear anything from Ed. But oh, yes. Ed had a profound effect on our community um, and do developer communities in general as he started um, What's his mental health? Uh, open source mental health. Yeah. You know, he, he started that. And again, we're poor for it because we don't, you know, there's a whole generation coming up that did not get to learn from Ed and learn from his experience. Um, and, you know, I, I just, I count myself lucky that I got to hang out with people like Ed and with, like Liz and, and even Ben, you know, to a little bit, but, you know. And, and Cal, I would say that you know, they're not gone from the community. Their spirit is still here. There's, and and I'm a firm believer that once you're part of the community, you're always part of the community, you know? So whenever whenever they come back or whenever they're able to participate, like they are our heroes. They are the the cornerstones that this community was built on. And and to your point, Cal, I think that's what what we try to do. And this is what makes the PHP community so great is take what we've learned from them, pass it forward, pay it forward, uh, and make sure that their message goes on. You know, uh, Osmir Open Sourcing Mental Illness is a tremendous organization, um, still going very, very strong, but you know, when Ed established that, I mean, people talk about mental illness being a, and the stigma behind talking about it, how difficult to talk about it. Imagine how difficult it was when, when Ed started that and just the courage it took to come out and share those stories and help people understand that, you know, uh, we should be treating uh, our mental health just like we treat our physical health. You've done a, a pretty good uh, summary of the beauty of the PHP community. At a personal level, I felt everything that you've said, I felt it. It's, it's amazing. I found very few community that has the warmth and the care that the, com- the PHP community has. And each of us, irrespective of our culture, of our place of birth, our thoughts, we know and we help each other without even asking. We go way, 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 way beyond. And I've learned so much from Carl, from you, and from so many others. And one thing re- always resonates. Like you say, everyone pays it forward, but they look behind to make sure that whoever was have been forgotten, they are also being remembered. I would like to now... Hey, one, one quick thing. This is yeah, so sure, subtle sure, sure. that I don't want this to be missed, but you know, Mike, the, the branding on your, your, your slide there, that it, just so subtle, dude. I mean, you know... The whole. Thing I, I, I tried to hide it in the corner. <laughs> I'm like today's episode is sponsored by guess who? Oh yeah, I, I you know I didn't even think about that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'll shut up now. <laughs> now I want to get a bit on your professional role, uh, which is developer marketing at uh, Ring Central. What would be the responsibilities and your role as a developer marketing, if you had to explain that to someone who is involved mostly in programming or being a team lead, who doesn't necessarily mean know about what it 
all means to be in that uh, shoe? Um, and that, that's actually a really tough question because uh, developer relations and developer marketing, the, the terms are so ambiguous that they can mean so many different things to different companies. You know, I had a friend, I'm not going to name the company, uh, who's really excited for his first developer evangelism job. He jumped at it, jumped at the opportunity, went to the company. Well, all he did was do support tickets. You know, he didn't actually get to go to the community or do anything. It was it was a support job, but they decided that if they called it support, they couldn't hire anybody. So they they, they tricked him. Ultimately, I, I think developer relations and developer marketing, that the primary focus of the job is to be the intermediary between the community or the developers and the company. When you look at a lot of companies, a lot of companies aren't focused on developer-first technologies. For example, RingCentral is a message video phone company. We provide a communications platform. That doesn't mean that we don't work with developers and support developers, but it means that the people buying the software, buying the solution, are companies looking to replace their existing PBX solution or their existing phone solution. And what that means is that if we try to talk to developers without understanding the developer community, we're not going to be able to tell them how amazing it is to actually have all these again, message video phone capabilities in the cloud where you can automate voice calls, you can automate SMS, you can automate video calls, utilize artificial intelligence, get greater insights, et cetera. Uh, instead, we're saying, well, you need to replace your on-premise PBX. And they'd be going, I don't have an on-premise PBX. At, at the same time, you know, we, we talk about the importance of community with, 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 uh, you know, in PHP, and that really spans a lot of different developer communities. And, and developers value very certain things. And, and so it's really important to make sure that when we talk to developers, we're recognizing what they value, what's important to them, and bringing that back to the company. For example, a lot of developers uh, want to have some influence or control over what they're using so they know it's not going to go away. They know it's going to continue to meet their needs uh, and continue to improve. If your company just saying, here's what it is, good luck, use it. And by the way, it might go away tomorrow, then you're not establishing that relationship with them. We want them to know that we create this for them. Their feedback is important. We're going to take the feedback uh, back to the company and we're going to continue to improve the product. The other thing I think is really important is create a symbiotic relationship. You know, you have a lot of companies that try to sell to developers, talk at developers again, and that's not what I think a good developer relations developer marketing role is. I think a good uh, dev rel dev marketing role is, is create a relationship where we help developers grow their skills, we help them grow their careers. And a lot of this is my own personal, I guess, preference because Again, that's how I grew is people help me grow and I'll pay that forward. And we believe that if we go about the right way, we create a good relationship that they'll respect our company for doing so. So it's not selling to developers. It's not saying buy the solution, uh, but rather if their company chooses to, to utilize RingCentral, we want them to go, yeah, RingCentral is great. I've been playing with their APIs, they have fantastic APIs. I'm excited to use the product. And by the way, Michael at RingCentral, he's a great guy. He's not funny, but he's a great guy. You know, and that's ultimately, I think, the goal of developer relations to over marketing is to, to bridge that gap uh, and create symbiotic relationships. What that looks like really depends on, on the role and on the company. You know, when I first started, my, my running joke, by the way, and this is sadly pretty close to true, uh, is I wanted to get back to the community. So I started doing presentations. Uh, I tried doing this thing called Twitter. I just learned about that, you know, like a few years ago. I, I was writing blog posts. And pretty soon I spent 12 hours a day writing code because no developer works nine to five. And then I spent 12 hours a day working on these slides, working on blog posts, et cetera. And uh, a friend of mine, uh, Keith Casey, who talked about kind of uh, legends in the community, Keith Casey said, hey, you know, there's a job where you can get paid to do that. It's called developer evangelism. And so I took my first developer evangelism job. I was like, man, I can get paid to do all the stuff I love. 
And instead of working 24 hours a day, now I only had to work 36 hours a day. So it was, it was a huge step up. <laughs> Um, but but I absolutely loved it. And that was my job was going to events and speaking, writing blog articles, answering questions on Stack Overflow. And that's, you know, more typical of like a developer evangelism job, although every developer evangelism job is different, has different expectations. Um, and, and we could pick on, you know, Cal's uh, done the role as well. And, and Cal's, you know, be able to say, hey, I had uh, probably some similar experiences, but I also had different experiences. Now my when role I was is- doing it for Zen the very first time. We didn't even have the term. Um, it was me and Jay Pipes over at MySQL, and they called us the community guys. And the best we could figure out was <laughs> our job was to show up and buy the first round. So, you know. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the, the, again, the, there are stories that we can share and stories we can't share. And, and, and I remember a story I can't share, so we'll just keep on going here. <laughs> You know, uh, as I've had the chance to, to grow, and uh, by the way, that's one thing that I've tried to bring with the communities or the programs I've built is take the, the greatness of the PHP community, the inclusivity of the, the PHP community, the desire to help everyone that, you know, whether you're brand new or you're experienced, you're on the same page working together and bring them to the communities that, that I've worked with. Now my role is basically making PowerPoint slides and talking to uh, executives saying, this is what we should do. <laughs> what do you think? And, and thankfully, I work at a fantastic company where they completely recognize that they completely appreciate that. So it really depends on the role you're in. But at the end of the day, I like I like what Kyle just said. Someone steal it. You're you're the community. Uh, you know, men and women. Your your job is out there to reach the community, to to grow the community, to be a part of the community, and represent the community, and make sure that you do no wrong. You know, to the community from the company, and also that that you're spending the company's uh, dollars wisely, and and you're creating investment for the company because at the end of the day, there there does have to be some benefit to the company as well. And I'm going to get myself in trouble. I'm not going to name the company, but you know that that's I think probably the biggest challenge is depending on the company you go to. If they don't understand developers, uh, having that communication with developers. I'm going to pick on Ring Central. My first assignment at Ring Central was to create a data sheet for every API endpoint we have. And I said, "Oh, my boss, my boss is she's she's amazing." And I said, "You know." Developers don't read data sheets. They're, they're not, and they're definitely not going to read you know uh, over 500 data sheets. <laughs> um, so let, let's rethink this. And, and you know that was new though. That was that was different than what the company had understood or what the company thought. Because in traditional product marketing, you create data sheets for your products, and, and that's how you communicate. I, I had another company, and again, I'm not going to name this company, where I thought I had to tell the marketing organization that they, they would have to fire me before I used their collateral. And they had created a bingo card that they want me to use. And in this bingo card, uh, and this was for, for ZenCon, you had to find the trolling CEO. Of course, 25% of the attendees at ZenCon are CEOs. You also had to find the developer wearing a Viking helmet. Now, here's where I have to eat my words because the very next conference I went to, there was a guy wearing a Viking helmet. Uh, so I eat my words. The, the Xena Princess Warrior, and I'm looking at this going like, you guys do not understand the developer community. Like, this is like the worst thing you could create. And, and I was like, well, we're marketing. We understand what we're doing. <laughs> and that's what I was like, I was like, well, here's the deal. You can send them. I'm going to throw them in the trash. <laughs> and that created a lot of contention. And, and, and that also it was a great experience for me because I had so many learnings about how developers think, but also how marketing thinks. And, and really understand that when you put the two together, you can have some really brilliant ideas. But you know, when they're both working separately in silos, then you're going to have some issues. And, and so that's, again, what my job is, is to take the best of both worlds, create communications, educate developers about the company, educate a company about developers, and, and, and uh, hopefully make everybody happy uh, as often as I can. Well, 
you have i think that's the best uh, moment that someone explained to me this so nicely i like the word you used symbiotic relationship i get it that everything revolves around a triangle here you are the center of the triangle between the community internal developers of the community uh, of the company and the success of the company you have a very very important role there if you shift a bit too much your your attention to the community or if you shift too much your attention to the internal developers you can get you can miss something i would like to ask you in the state of mind of the company has there been a, a moment where you have made the company felt you have switched a bit too much your focus on the community side and less on the company or vice versa has there been a twist a moment like this in your experience so far and how do you deal with this to prevent this from happening um every day uh no i, I, I i'm picking ring central ring central is a great company and they why really what ring central is that they've been receptive and that we've worked to create a symbiotic relationship uh one of the f- lessons i learned at, at constant contact which was my first developer evangelism role was the importance of evangelizing internally or marketing internally And that's where, honestly, I made a mistake. We spent so much time on outward evangelism uh, and make sure that we knew about constant contact and knew about the great email marketing solution that they have, that we didn't do a good job explaining internally what we did. And when programs are first starting, they're, they're cost centers. You know, So we're spending all this money and marketing is looking at going, why are we spending money on this when they're losing money? And we have a you know ratio where we have to make so many dollars for every dollar we spend. Like That's not fair. And it becomes even more challenging when we transition to a marketing org because then you're initially held to the same expectations. And you're also stuck in the balance of what do we do for the brand versus how do we reflect the brand to developers. Uh, and so you're always finding that middle ground. And that's one thing that it's a regular dance. It's a regular process. And you're right. You get pulled in different directions. And it's really important to make sure you stay balanced and you're constantly checking with your stakeholders. Uh, and for me, my stakeholders are the developer community, you know, my boss, the executives, uh, marketing, sales. Like, uh, even though you know, we're not doing sales, uh, again, if we're doing this right uh, and someone talks to a company and they mention the API and they take that back to their developer, the developer goes, yeah, this is great. You know, sales should see some positive impact. They should be excited about what we're doing. It shouldn't be, oh, yeah, those developers. Uh, you know. Um, And so it, it is, it's, it's a constant balance and, and it's being honest with yourself because there's nothing more I would love to do. And I'll, hopefully this doesn't get me in trouble with my boss, but there's nothing more I'd love to do than be in the community a hundred percent, you know, going to conferences, uh, again, you know, uh, grabbing, uh, you know, dinner with, with, with the, the main friends of the community would also be new friends, um, you know, trying to pay it forward, mentoring, et cetera. The thing I would least like to do are, are the expense reports, uh, the budget and, uh, The, the, the executive slide saying, here's, you know, I worked 40 hours on these slides so that we can, you know, uh, do a, a two hour project. But, but you have to find that balance because again, you have to make sure the company understands what you're doing, make sure that's a benefit to the company and also make sure you're doing what's right by the community. Uh, and, and Cal, I think you got something to add on that as well. Yeah. Well, one of the things that you, you, you hit the nail on the head, you've got to walk that fine line between marketing and developer. And marketing can't be in control as much as they would love to because every good DevRel position I've ever been in has always been in the marketing department. But they, the good ones know that. The bad ones don't understand. And um, I was in a situation where they wouldn't let me really go out and do DevRel 
Um, I was given, you do this, you do this, you do this. And they hired a new CTO and he was, I happened to be in the office as I wasn't working, um, I was working remote. I happened to be in the office when the new CTO came in. And so he was doing interviews with everybody. So he sat down with me on the couch and says, what do you do? I said, I'm a t-shirt vendor because that's what, it, that's what it turned out. You know, I would go there and our booth at whatever conference we were at, man, our booth was insanely popular until the t-shirts ran out. And mm-hmm. Then you couldn't pay people, which, which was basically what we were doing. Anyhow, I was paying people with T-shirts. But that's that's if marketing is a control, that's the metric they understand. But that's not DevRel. DevRel is having conversations with the people about to use your product or interesting with your product or using your product and finding out how they're doing it, finding out what problems they have so you can bring that back to the company. But also, you're the conduit of information to from the company to them. You know, the best ones I've worked with, um, it, it, it really hasn't been developer evangelism, it's been developer advocacy. And that really connotates that it's a two-way street. You know, I, I'm a conduit of information going both ways, not just I'm here to hand out t-shirts and stickers. Kelly, it's, it's amazing you said that because I actually demanded a title change when I started Constant Contact from being developer evangelist to developer advocate for, for that reason. I don't want people to feel like I was talking to them. I want to feel like I was advocating for them. But, but you said something that's really important. When you look at marketing, traditional marketing is all about lead gen. There's a reason we call it developer relations and not developer leads. And, and our job is to build the relations, our relationships with developers. Again, uh, if you go in there to sell developers, you're not going to have the relationship that you need with the developer community. And they're going to read right through that. They're going to see right through that and call you out on it. I was at a, a developer marketing conference just recently and they asked me, what were the three most, like, or what's your three most important things? Or what's your uh, three pieces of advice? I said, uh, act with integrity, act with uh, authenticity, and act with empathy. Be, be real, be honest. And that's the way you need to communicate with, with this audience. Because otherwise, uh, again, nobody wants to be sold to, nobody wants to be lied to, you know, this idea that developers hate marketing. Developers don't hate marketing. We hate aggressive, in-your-face marketing. We want the cool, shiny objects. We want the things that are going to make our jobs easier. We want the things that are going to make us look like you know heroes at our job and get us, you know pay increases and bonuses and whatnot. But what we don't want is let me tell you how great my product is, and then give us a whole bunch of you know fluffy points that we know aren't true. Um, you know, it's we, we have we have a hundred million developers in our community. We know you don't because there's not a hundred million developers. Uh, you know, things like that. The other thing too, I mean, again, it's and I kind of avoid your question. Uh, seems so I apologize, but we look at the balance. Uh, I'm gonna pick on uh, the other balance, and that's brand. You know, Ring Central has just. Uh, Gone through a rebrand with a brand new, brand new, beautiful logo, brand new, uh, you know, uh, beautiful theme, and then the question was, how's this theme work with developers? And so we talked to the brand team, and and this is something where it took years. Like we always think about building relationships in the community. Building relationships in the community take years. You're not going to start a developer relations program and and have immediate impact. In fact, I, every place I've gone, I've told them the first six months, you're going to wonder if I'm even doing anything. Like you're going to see absolutely nothing, you know, in terms of results. Because we're going to have to start building that trust, building that relationship, and show people we're in this for the long haul. We're not just here to jump in and leave. The same thing is true with your company. You have to take time to establish relationships with you know, the marketing team, the sales team, the executives, because you're, you're trying to change the way people think or the way people look at something, and that takes time. Thankfully, you know, with Bring Central, I've been here about four years. When I first started with brand, it was, here's the brand, here's what you're going to do, and we think developers are going to like this. And, and, and 
you know, me putting my foot down and, and being the bad guy going, no, I, I, I don't think this is right. Can we change something else? And then going, well, you know, let's put it this way. You're brand new. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's those conversations. And I'm going to get myself in trouble. I'll talk about a second. But now we've built the relationship. Brand said, hey, we're doing this. How does this fit for developers? What can we do for developers? We've created this brand. How can we make it for developers? And I've actually gotten the leeway now where we create a brand new uh, a deck for presentations for the company. And there was a misstep. They forgot to include slides for code. They forgot to include developer elements. And, and I just reached out to them and said, hey, guys, this pitch deck looks great. Can I make some suggestions or make a deck for developers and just make some slight modifications? And the brand guy was, absolutely. Just send to me when you're done. We'll review it to sign off and we should be good. And so now we have a deck that's almost identical, but it has code elements. It has uh, you know slides for, for code, different developer elements in it. It reflects the brand, but it reflects developer uh, personality at the same time. And, and that's where you get to establishing that. And sometimes in this role, you, you have the other issue where you know being a developer for 15 plus years professionally and then going into to marketing, sometimes I have to prove my credibility to uh developers. And sometimes that's not easy. Uh, I'm again, I'm gonna pick on two people. I'm not gonna name the companies, but I, I was at Treehacks, which is a hackathon at Stanford. And I had a VP of a very large company come to me and he goes, what's your role? I said, well, I'm, I'm developer relations. Uh, and this was when I was at MuleSoft. And he goes, oh, you're marketing. I'm like, yes, I'm in, I'm in the marketing department. Uh, thanks for calling that out. And he goes, well, I have some really difficult technical questions. Um, so I need to talk to somebody technical. I was like, well, let me see if I can help you out. And he starts asking questions. I mean this nicely. They're not difficult questions by any means. They're basic entry-level API questions. <laughs> I'm not trying to be a jerk about it. And after about 15 minutes, he goes, he goes you know, you're, you're more technical than I expected from a marketer. Thank you. I appreciate that, I guess. I, I mean, there's a lot of technical marketers out there. <laughs> he goes, but I still need to talk to someone more technical. Can you put me in touch with an SE so I can talk, really design principles of APIs and rest with them? And you have to know when to fold them. And I'm like, sure, no problem. I'll get you in touch with my SE. So I, I ping an SE. I'm like, can you talk to this guy about APIs? And he goes, why don't you talk to him? I'm like, no, he wants to talk to something more technical. And he goes, you do realize I'm just going to give him your book, right? <laughs> and that leads me to even internal engineers sometimes. And, and I'll, I'll pick on our team here at Ring Central. And they're a great team and they're great guys. But every now and then, engineers can be opinionated. I'm not, I, I, there, I said it. Um, and I was talking to an engineer about, uh, about API design best practices, and, and he made the comment. He goes, look, he goes, I'm an engineer. You're a marketer. I work with APIs. I know what I'm doing. And, and, and I walked downstairs to my desk, grabbed a copy of my book, walked back up. I said, I'm glad, slammed the book down and left. <laughs> uh, <laughs> next week, I got invited to a meeting about APIs. Who knew? <laughs> You know, so that there is some of that credibility. And that's where it's important to, again, the authenticity and the integrity. You don't have to be technical to be in developer marketing. Our community manager is not a programmer, but she's one of the best community managers I've ever worked with. And she does a fantastic job because she's genuine, she's authentic, and she's empathetic. She puts their needs uh, as a priority. But if you aren't, if you aren't technical, don't pretend to be. And if you are technical, don't be afraid to have a technical conversation or, or say, look, you know, I get this because what you're going to do is actually prove that you're, you're not just a, a, a marketing, uh, what's the word I want? Uh, like a bullhorn. You're not, you're not just out there you know, spouting words without understanding what you're doing. And that's important in the developer community as well, is, is making sure that 
uh, from a developer standpoint, they understand that you get the tech, you get the pain points, you're in it with them. And quite frankly, uh, if there's pain points with the software or the solution, you feel those pain points more than they do. Uh, Cal probably knows the story. We were at a hackathon. I'm not going to name the company, but at a hackathon and the API went down. I promise you the person who felt the pain point more than anybody else there was me because <laughs> uh, I was the one on the hot seat. <laughs> you know, in marketing, be able to say, I understand the needs of marketing. I understand your challenges. I understand that you have to have ROI and be able to explain to them, this is how this benefits us. Uh, and that's a big mistake I see with a lot of job relations programs. You can't do it early on, but as you become more mature is using what I call value metrics and saying we have a number of API calls. Number of API calls is a great metric what's it mean to the company? What's it actually mean towards revenue? And so trying to show that either direct or indirect revenue that we help move the needle. And that might be that you know customers that use the API are more sticky or they have a longer lifetime value. It might be that they buy more services. It might be that we have paid for APIs that they can use. It might be customer satisfaction. It might be an ecosystem of apps, but you know, finding things that, that move the needle for the company is important because at the end of the day, and I think Ring Central really does act in good faith. I just want to say this. I think they really act in good faith for the developer community. But at the end of the day, the executives have to respond to shareholders and they have to say, this is why we're spending these dollars and this is the return we're getting for these dollars. And I think that sometimes creates the gap. And that's why that symbiotic relationship is so important because you want developers to go, we want Ring Central to succeed. We want them to, to be an awesome company. Correct. I think they're an awesome company now. I just want to throw a disclaimer so I'm getting in trouble here. And the same thing. <laughs> Ring Central wants me to succeed as a developer. They want to help me grow and they're going to do what's right for me, even if it's a hard decision. And, and that's ultimately, again, the goal that we have. And I think my role at the company is to, is to drive that. Wow. Way, if I were the owner of Ring Central, I, was, I would be so happy right now that I have someone like you in this role because, wow, man, you, you know exactly what ticks. I see that there is a lot of skills that is needed, not just marketing, not just development, but you need a lot of soft skills. You need to love to talk to people, but not just to talk, but have an empathetic eye and empathetic uh, behavior and also uh, be very meticulous in hearing exactly what is coming through. It takes a lot of a lot of energy. I, I see there. One real thing, though, like, and I absolutely agree. There's all these soft skills, and and like anything, there's skills that can be learned. Uh, you know, for the marketing, that can be learned. When I made the transition to marketing, uh, don't ask my you know don't ask my coworkers a, a constant contact how I do with marketing because you're going to hear horror stories <laughs> and they go, man, this guy was just he had no clue what he was doing. Um, <laughs> just like with programming, you learn as you program, you learn what you do, um, and, and you learn as you go. But what it really comes down to is being a good person and doing it for the right reasons. If you go in there to you know make yourself an all-star, and I've got myself in trouble for saying this, but I'm going to double down on it. If you go in there to make yourself an all-star, if you go out there to, to make yourself a millionaire, where it may be, if you go in there with a the me, me, me mentality, uh, you're, you're, you're not going to be successful because people are going to see through that. You know, people, If you go in there with, I want to help other people, I want to help you succeed, and, and you're a good person, you do it for the right reasons, you do it with an altruistic reason. I think everything comes naturally. Um, I mean, that, that's my, my personal opinion, um, but that, that's been my experience with those who do it for the right reasons or what we call the right reasons. You know, people really appreciate what they do and, and they respect what they do. Whereas people that go in and they do it because they want the fame or, you know, to be the face of the company or, or maybe there's a reason most developer evangelists burn out, in, you know, in six to 12 months. It's, it's a very difficult job. You know, uh, I, I'm going to pick on Cal really quick. Cal's been a cornerstone of the PHP community for so long. I don't know how he does it because I swear the guy doesn't sleep. Um, you know, but <laughs> it's just, it's a, it's, a, it's a ruling job, but it all comes down to the reason that, you know, the developer evangelists 
that do it and, and can put in, you know, 18 hour days and three back to back red eyes and, 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 you know, give up some of the time that they have with their family. Cause that's what we end up doing is because they know it, it helps the community. And, and that's the reward we get. There's something far greater than anything else. Yeah. As, as many of the soft skills are, I, I think it all comes naturally when you, when you do it to help the community. I know you have a book in progress, so I'm definitely going to buy right now because you are very resourceful and insightful. I have one specific question. You've mentioned that uh, rightly that marketing is about lead generation and developer marketing is totally different, not just the lead generation, but creating the whole ecosystem and making, making sure it is healthy. In marketing, it is pretty much easier to to have metrics, to know what is working and what is not working. But as a, as a developer marketing, this is a bit intangible as compared to proper marketing. How would you at a company level measure that uh, whatever me as a developer marketing, whatever I am putting in, there is result that are coming in? How, how do you measure that? Is it, you mentioned long-term focus as well. Uh, so, so my team hates me on this because I, I, I'm very data driven and, and everything, every meeting we have is let's look at the data. You know, I think when you create a plan or you create the strategy, you have to understand what the, the, the top level company goals are and how you're going to impact the top level company goals. But you also have to understand that the tactics that you take as part of your strategy, are they short-term tactics or are they long-term tactics? Because if you measure short-term tactics with long-term results, you, you're not having the right you know, metric, if you're measuring long-term uh, tactics or short-term results, well, your long-term metrics or long-term tactics will never be successful. And so we actually utilize three different models that help us determine the metrics and, and how we work uh, as an organization. Uh, the first was uh, a model that was really created by Rob Spector um, from, from Twilio. And that's the three core model, which is evangelism, community, and education. And that's the one that I started really working with because it really tells us that we can take three different approaches. One, we need to make sure that we're focused on evangelism, but we also make sure we're focused on community initiatives and education. And I think every company likes to focus on evangelism. Evangelism is the big buzzword. It's the exciting buzzword. But the reality is that evangelism is actually the least effective between your community and education. And I'm pick on Twilio. And Twilio does a great job. And, 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 and I have all the respect for Rob in the world. But if you see Twilio and Nextmo now uh, rebrand Vonage at, at a conference, don't ever walk up to Twilio. Oh, yeah, I use Twilio. I love you guys. They'll go to Vonage and go, hey, guys, what do you do? And uh, the Vonage team uh, literally says, we do the same thing as uh, Twilio. We're the same thing, but we're blue. And then they go, oh, that's cool. Oh, here's a you know a 10 uh, euro uh, credit if you want to try Nextmo. Great, I'm going to try Nextmo. And so while they know Twilio and while they've used Twilio, there's no loyalty to Twilio. And they're willing to jump to Nextmo. And that's the problem with evangelism without community and education. And last year, Twilio actually really started focusing on building a community aspect to their uh, organization as well. When you look at the most successful developer uh, relations development marketing programs out there, it's not Twilio. And Twilio, again, that's not not Sham. They do a great job. And, and I have all the respect for Rob. And I've asked Rob for advice a million times. But it's companies like GitHub or Stack Overflow. Now, GitHub and Stack Overflow don't have large evangelist teams. They didn't have large developer marketing teams, but they focused all on community, create a place where people could share, collaborate, and communicate. Much like Rank Central, Rank Central is doing. No, I'm, I'm giving myself in trouble here. If you look at education, perhaps the best example of education is DigitalOcean. DigitalOcean doesn't have a large community team. They don't have a large evangelism team. But if you search, how do I remove a directory from Linux? You find DigitalOcean. 
And I'm going to tell you right now, I've seen DigitalOcean at one, maybe two events in the last 10 years. By the way, DigitalOcean sponsored one. Uh, the very first bid was PHP, so I'm very grateful for that. But I am a DigitalOcean customer because uh, one of the little community involvement that they had, the events that they did sponsor, but number two, because of their thought leadership and their education and because I constantly go there and I know it's going to work with their servers. Uh, so it's taking a balanced approach between uh, evangelism, community, and education. Uh, again, you can't really admit any of those and have a really strong program. Uh, you can have a really strong education program, but then you run challenges with community or overall awareness. Or you run into community and you have a really good community uh, program, but you still have to get the word out although you get the, the viral evangelism from developers. The, the second model that I use, I'm going to give credit to Indy Sen, uh, who created this one and I worked with them at MuleSoft, and that's the, the developer funnel. And the developer funnel is basically the, the standard marketing funnel with an added stage. And so it's awareness, interest, consideration, adoption, and advocacy. And if we're doing our job correctly, we're still going to be generating awareness. Developers you know, can't use a great product if they don't know about it. We have to make sure they know about the product. We should make sure that we have the right resources, collateral information for them to be interested or consider using it. And we should make sure that they're successful when using it. If they you know, try to create a you know, sandbox app and it fails miserably, well, we have to fix that part of the funnel. And ultimately, we want them to be able to use the product uh, in production. And we want them to be a fan of the product and want to tell the world about the product. Uh, and so we can still me measure what we're doing through those stages. And we can use metrics like developer website traffic. Are they coming to the website? Uh, developer share of voice. Are they talking about us? If you're going to an event, I hate the number of people you talk to and stuff, but we use like our Game Changer program. Do people get, uh, do they join the Game Changer program? Do they leave with a positive perception of Ring Central? Then you get to things like uh, interest. Are they reading the developer documentation? Are they engaging on Twitter, following on Twitter? Consideration. Uh, have they tried creating a sandbox application? Uh, and of course, have they actually used it in production? And then are they talking about it? Are they sharing it? Are they speaking events about it? Are they a fan of the company? The, the last model that we use is one that I create, which is the developer hierarchy of needs. And the reason I created this is because going into, uh, Ring Central is the fourth program I've had the, the privilege of starting. And going in, every program I've gone into, people had an idea of what they want. And that idea might be, we want to do events. And events are great. But you have to know where your program is maturity-wise and where you are uh, in terms of our developers successful. Because if you have a really crappy experience and developers can't use your product and you put a whole bunch of money into digital advertising and going to events and all this stuff, what you've really done is pay a lot of money to irritate and tick off developers and tell have them tell their people, this software sucks or this solution sucks. And so with the developer hierarchy needs, it reflects a lot of things we're talking about, but it starts off with basic enablement. Can someone come in and is there the documentation to understand what your program does and get started and build an app right away? Because no matter how great your marketing is, if you don't have software or solution that they can use, again, it does them no good. Uh, the next step then is community. Is there a community where they can get help or if they have questions? You may have support tickets. You may have a phone number developers can call in on. The reality is developers more often than not prefer to ask their peers. We like going to Stack Overflow. We like going to GitHub. We like asking the forum because we know we get multiple answers, multiple opinions versus reaching out, point support ticket, and hopefully you respond in 10 days. And hopefully it's a helpful response. Disclaimer, I think the support team at Ring Central does a fantastic job. We do offer tier one support. Uh, I'm not reflecting or talking about them, but there's a lot of companies that, again, you get as soon as they're able to respond and good luck. Then it's education. And, and this is something, again, I think a lot of companies miss is education isn't 
talking about your company. It isn't telling them how great your company is or what your product is. Uh, and I'll go back to Digital Ocean, who does a fantastic job. It's helping them grow their skills and become a subject matter expert in their industry. Uh, we look at Ring Central. We try to talk about things that help developers grow, whether it's learning new PHP skills, new JavaScript skills, learning about WebRTC. Not here's the Ring Central product, uh, because we're going to do plenty of marketing on that our own, and there's going to be plenty of resources on that just from our marketing org, but help them grow their career, grow their skills. Uh, then you get things like more um, kind of advanced enablement, or uh, I, I call it fluffy enablement. That's going to be your webinars or your office hours or things people can come in. Uh, and then you have your in-person events, you know, where again, you're going to the events and you're talking to people. And again, it, it's kind of like the Maslow's hierarchy of needs or the food pyramid. Yes, that that's mean, what uh, came to my mind. Perfect. Yeah. It doesn't mean that you only focus on the bottom tier, but it does mean that yeah, you have yeah. to have your uh, rations for each or, or, or work uh, carefully to make sure you're not focusing on something that you know, giving a lot of candy and, and not giving them their basic greens. Mm-hmm. I don't know if the food pyramid is still, yeah. still in use. So I have no idea, but I'm, I'm using that as an example. <laughs> for developers uh, who are willing to transition uh, to that specific developer role, where should they start? Because this is not like programming. You know, you have an idea where I, I can start, where if I want to be a team lead, where I should go. But developer marketing, where should I start? You know, uh, you brought the book I'm working on for developer evangelism, so I'll pick on that really quickly. The first thing I'm going to tell people is do your research. Keith Casey has a fantastic article about developer evangelism. Uh, there are a lot of great articles about developer evangelism. Here's the reality. It's a great job but it's also a terrible job. Uh, and what I mean by that is I love what I do and every program I built, as soon as I get ready to leave, I'm like, this is my last role in developer relations. I'm going back to programming or I'm going to go to marketing or I'm going to do anything else <laughs> because uh, you, you, you have a lot of things you're fighting with. You have the, the fatigue from being on the road and, and, and working with developers and as much fun as it is, you know, three back-to-back red eyes start to uh, wear you out. You have the internal politics and, and having, you know, that, that constant balancing act that you have to do. You have the politics in the developer community. It doesn't matter which developer community you are. If you, you know, in the book, I really have a, a chapter where it says you will be fired. Uh, it's not a matter of, of if, it's a matter of when. And, and we see that where someone said the said something they didn't articulate it well, they meant no harm. Someone else took offense to it. It blew up into a big Twitter ordeal. And the very next day, both of them are out their jobs. You know, and we do live in a culture where it's, you know, very easy for people to uh, misconstrue what people say. And instead of asking what they meant to say, immediately pounce on that and, and have a negative reaction. Uh, and I think that's something that as a community, we, we can always do better is work to be empathetic and work to try to understand where people are coming from. But so that's the first thing, understand what you're getting yourself into. It can be the very best job, but I've seen so many developers come right out of boot camp, jump into developer evangelism, and you know, I see them six months later, and it looks like the life has, been, has literally been drained from them. And it also means researching the company you go into, because there's some really, really good companies for developer relations, developer marketing. There's companies that have no clue what they want. They just know what's important, and it's a buzzword, and they're going to hire for it. Um, I, I'm very fortunate again with Ring Central. Ring Central is a fantastic company. Uh, I joined Microsoft. Microsoft got it. I, I just want to interpret, interrupt you at that point. What uh, hint should I look for to know which company might have the right? This could be the right company I should be directing myself. I, I think the the easiest way to do that is interview the company as they're interviewing you. Uh, ask them what the expectations are. Ask them what they're looking for. Ask them what they want you to do. 
you know, ha- have a can conversation with them in terms of this is what I would be doing. This is wh- or what I would expect to be doing. This is what I believe. This is the say I need to have. Uh, and either they're going to go that, yes, you know, we're on board with this or they're going to go, well, we're thinking something else. Um, if you go to a company and they're saying, look, our sales team isn't doing a great job reaching developers. So we need you to go out there and sell this. That's not the right company. They don't understand what developer relations is, in my opinion. Now, if they say, we have a great product and we want developers to know about the product and be able to advocate for the product and be able to share with their friends. And, and if they can use this, we want them to use this. But again, we want to really just be involved in the developer community. That's a company that sounds like they get it. But, but keep in mind, uh, everyone puts their best foot forward during interviews as well. So it may not be actually what you get. Again, not naming companies. Uh, you know, uh, one, one place uh, that, that I had interviewed, I told what the strategy was. Uh, they're super excited to have me come on board. And they let me know that the day I would come on board, this is what I'd be doing. And it wasn't the strategy I laid forth. It's the exact opposite. <laughs> um, and so it's kind of like, okay, hold on a second. Um, but do your research. Ask others about them. Ask developers about their perceptions of the company. When I joined Ring Central, I asked uh, you know, um, my friends on Twitter, I said, what do you guys think about this company? And I got different responses. I got back, uh, hey, I've never heard of them which tells you for a company with 400,000 plus customers, we have work to do in this community and we need to invest in this community. I heard, I love Ring Central. I think I used them 10 years ago to send a fax, which says, okay, we have some uh, branding issues to overcome. We're, we're not just a fax company. We're actually a modern company leading the edge in cloud communications. Um, we need to address that. What I didn't hear is they don't treat their developers well. They don't treat the community well. You know, they, they don't respond to tickets. Um, you know, I, I had a problem with their API and they left me out to dry. They don't care about their customers. Like those are things I didn't hear. And those are very important things because what it shows me is that people, you always got people that don't like a service or don't like a company. So don't, don't go on uh, Glassdoor and see one negative employer. You can go, I can't work there. Go on Yelp and see one negative review and say they're a bad company. Every company's going to have that. But in general, what do people feel about them? How do people talk about them? How does the developer community talk about them? Um, and and if developer community isn't aware of them or not familiar with them, do you have the latitude within the company to go out there and take the right approach to building that awareness and building those relationships? Um, with Ring Central, the, the the most positive sign I got as I was talking to them, and they said, We saw what you did at MuleSoft. We absolutely loved it. We loved how you established a community with the developers and you do what was right for the developers. We want to bring that here. That immediately was like, okay. There's going to be fights in the road. There's going to be that marketing versus developers. There's going to be all the, the politics, everything going. You're not going to escape that no matter where you go. Uh, Neosoft, which sold to developers, developer-focused company, we, we had the same issues where we had to have that plug and, uh, plug, pull and tug uh, battle every now and then. Uh, but at a core, they get it. Um, so that's what I'd say you look for. Now, to make that transition, once you've researched it, you understand what you're getting yourself into, you're looking at the company, the next step is start doing before you leave. Like, Try it out. If you're at a meetup, speak at a meetup. Like, put a talk in. And there's a lot of people who don't think they'll be good evangelists. They don't think they'll be good advocates or good developer marketing. Um, really, because they don't think they'll be good speakers. They don't think they'll be good talk- you know, at talking. They don't think they're an expert enough. Um, the great thing about meetups is it's a chance for you to go out there, test uh, your subject matter knowledge, test your presentation style, learn and grow from people who really, really appreciate what you're bringing to the table. Um, the, the, one of the funny things I learned, uh, and, and people don't believe me on this, I actually don't like speaking. I mean, I like speaking, but I don't like speaking. Uh, I get nervous. And uh, my, my father uh, told me the story many years ago. 
and it was about this uh, famous entertainer and this uh, he's on a night show and the guy goes on the, you know, the night show or whatever night show it was. And the host asked me, he goes, you go out in front of 19,000 people on a regular basis and you just perform. He goes, I'm in a studio with 20 people. I get nervous. How do you do that with so many people and not get nervous night after night after night? And the guy turned to me goes, who said I don't get nervous? He goes, I get nervous every single time. The trick is not to let them know it. And, and that's the other tip that I'll share with people. Speak. By the way, Cal has a great book on speaking um, that you should also check out. Um, but one of, one of the tricks of speaking is if you mess yes. up, the chances are the only person who knows you messed up is you. I have messed up talks. I forgot entire sections, remembered it, said that section later. Nobody knew that I messed up the entire talk. I completely omitted a section and, and moved it. Um, you know, if you mess up, unless they've seen your talk a whole bunch of times and memorized it, they don't know. The, the second thing is that I think is a mistake is we think we have to speak to the experts. There's always somebody who's trying to learn what you know. Uh, one, one of the most incredible talks I did was at ZenCon. I did a talk on Introduction to Zen Framework 2. I didn't even cover models. I did controllers and views because I just wanted to do a very basic uh, level talk. And as I'm giving this talk, I look down and who is in the front row but Rob Allen, uh, who literally wrote the entire documentation for Zen Framework 2. And I'm thinking, crap, there's not a thing I can say that's going to help Rob Allen. Rob Allen's not going to walk away from this going, hey, Mike knows his stuff. In fact, Rob Allen's probably going to be going, man, Mike has no clue he's talking about. <laughs> he even talked about models. Um, but I gave this talk. And I remember this talk, and this is probably the most memorable talk I've ever given because I was so excited. I put memes in my slides. I had uh, jokes in my slides. I had hashtags for people to, to uh, post uh, during the talk just to make everybody else wonder what was going on. And I give this talk, I think it was a 40-minute talk, and I'm doing this talk, and during the entire 40-minute talk, I get one chuckle. I really got a, <laughs> the entire talk. And anybody see me speak, I gauge my presentation style based on people who are engaging or they're laughing. Um, I looked at Twitter, and I literally had one tweet, and it was from the conference saying my talk started. <laughs> And I'm thinking, this is terrible. Like, what do I do? And the second I end, uh, also a whole bunch of tweets start flying out. Um, and, and of course, on uh, joined in, the reviews are like, it was a great talk. I appreciate it. Although my favorite one was, sometimes developers just don't want to laugh. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, no, I'll take that. But you actually enjoyed the talk. But what really impressed me, or really, I shouldn't say impressed me, what really impacted me was after the talk, Rob came up to me. This is the guy who wrote the documentation. This is the expert on Zen Framework 2. And he goes, I really appreciate your talk. He goes, I, I've never seen a Zen Framework talk presented that way. I like how you made it for beginners. I like how you focused on just what they need to get going. He goes, that was a really good talk. I just wanted to say good job. And I'm staring like, it's Rob Allen. What do I, I mean, how can I say? Um, and Rob Allen is just, he, he again, one of the nicest guys in the community that you'll meet. But when you do a talk, there's always somebody who can learn from you. There's always somebody who can grow from what you have. And, and that's who you're doing the talk for. You're not doing the talk for the person who wrote the Zen Framework 2 documentation. You're doing the talk for the person who wants to use Zen Framework, but doesn't even know what Zen Framework actually is, or what MVC is. Um, and so we, we get this imposter syndrome. The reality is we're in it together. And when you start giving these talks and helping, people are going to help you with their presentation style. They're going to help you with your subject matter expert. They're going to help you grow. They're going to help you learn. The other secret, and, and, and I don't know if I should share this secret or not, but I'm going to, is most of us don't actually know what we're talking about when we pitch the talk idea. 
It's a subject we want to learn. It's a subject we want to talk about. And we're forcing ourselves to research it because we have a deadline imposed where we better have our stuff down or it's going to be really, really bad. Um, the last thing is don't take um, ratings and responses personally as you start giving talks. Uh, you're going to have people, and I do, I, I did for the longest time. It was so hard for me not to look at negative rating and literally I get angry about it. I'd be at home pacing back and forth, go play Call of Duty or something. Um, because no matter how good your presentation is or how bad your presentation is, people are going to perceive it differently. Um, I had a presentation on security. Uh, I literally had a slide that said hash passwords. That's all it said, hash passwords. Um, and someone asked a question, what should we use to hash passwords? And I said, honestly, there's a lot of great algorithms out there, but the point here is just don't do plain text. If you have to do MD5 because you can do nothing else uh, versus plain text, do MD5, but do something. Don't leave it in plain text. Immediately, someone comes up, well, MD5 has been cracked. Now, here's the other thing that you're going to learn. Sometimes you're going to respond the wrong way. I respond the wrong way. I took it literally. I said, well, no, there's uh, hash tables and you know, collisions, but it hasn't been cracked. Okay. So I get my review. I have a one star. Now, again, this is a 60-minute presentation uh, where literally we spent a total of 30 seconds on security or on hashing passwords. He has absolutely no idea about security, has no clue he's talking about. This is the worst talk. I can't believe that I'm speaking. Every now and then you're going to get somebody at the talk who really wants to be up there speaking, but they, they, they weren't the ones speaking. I really um, felt strongly about your ND5 comment. I'm sorry. And I felt you deserved was, that yeah. one start. <laughs> but I, so it was an anonymous comment. One thing I'll give Cal is Cal never leaves anonymous comments. So I appreciate that, Cal. Um, and, and I was like, holy crap. And I was irritated. The next comment was, I don't know who this anonymous commenter is, but they should be ashamed of themselves. It was a great talk. Uh, you know, you're going to people again, two different perspectives. The other thing is, um, and I'm rambling here, but I'm going to go on two more quick stories and then I'll stop talking on about it, I promise. Um, just because you don't think you did a good talk doesn't mean you didn't do a good talk. I remember I gave three talks at one conference. Uh, I think the organizers hated me because they gave me three talks, um, but uh, it, was, it was absolutely a blast. And I'm very grateful for them because it's actually uh, one of the first times I had a chance to speak. Um, but one of those talks was on WordPress. And I gave the WordPress talk and I wasn't feeling it. I was tired. I was exhausted. Again, didn't see the audience interaction. And I was angry at myself when I got done with the talk. I was angry. Uh, again, I took things very personally. And you have to learn to, to you know, kind of mature from that and let some things go. You can always get better, but take it as constructive versus uh, you know, kind of that, that anger mentality. Um, and it's kind of funny because someone asked me, uh, another speaker asked me how the talk went. And I really, really want to say it was terrible. I dropped the ball. I'm not happy with myself. Um, but I, I gave the politically correct answer, um, which was, well, you know, I think it went okay. You know, I, they, they seem to be engaged. They seem to appreciate some of the content. So I, I think overall, it, it was a decent talk. Uh, I then went and talked to a sponsor, and then I had to, you know, uh, utilize uh, the, the restroom. And I'm really glad I talked to the sponsor because as I'm walking to the restroom, someone ran out of the room and said, Mike, your microphone is still on. So the takeaway here, first of all, is be careful what you say because you never know who's listening. You might still have the microphone on. And what I said broadcasted to that room where all the attendees were. Uh, oh, number man. two, yeah, <laughs> number two, I always talk to sponsors because they can save you from even more embarrassing ordeals. Had 
had I been able to make it to the restroom with the microphone. <laughs> Uh, I think there's a, a naked gun movie yeah. or something where that happens, and, and I would, would have been mortified. The last lesson, though, uh, in terms of speaking and, and adjusting is that that WordPress talk that I was so angry at myself for, that I felt so terrible about, was my highest rated talk. And so, again, perception isn't necessarily reality. Uh, again, Cal has a great book. It's called Spin a Good Yarn um, that talks about preparing to speaking. Go look at that book. But step one. Get involved with meetups, start speaking at meetups, do a lightning talk, which is a 10-minute talk, then do a regular presentation, write blogs, share your knowledge with others, start speaking at conferences, because at the end of the day, as you start doing that, you're going to start seeing what it's like. Um, and it's also going to help you build a portfolio where when you want to transition developer marketing, developer relations, you can say, I've done this. I got my first developer marketing job because, or developer relations job, my first evangelism job, because I was speaking at events, because I was speaking at meetups, because I was writing articles, because I was trying to help on Twitter. Um, those were all things that they said, look, that's what we're looking for. We're looking for somebody who's on Stack Overflow, who's on GitHub, who's doing this. You're already doing it. We, we can see videos of your presentation. We know what we're getting. And you know, we, we can then make the decision to hire you. So, so start with that first, get comfortable, uh, and then go into uh, developer evangelism afterwards. Um, but also take time to learn your craft because I'm, I'm going to tell you one of the, the, the saddest things about developer evangelism. We go out there, we talk about all these technologies. We don't get that much time to code anymore. You know, uh, in fact, uh, as a director of developer marketing, where my role is now handling logistics and, and making, you know, having everybody else do the hard work, if you will, uh, I get to spend, spend more time coding now than I did as a developer evangelist when I was on the road talking about code. Um, so. So definitely take the time and enjoy what you have. Uh, and like I said, it can be the best of jobs. It can be the worst of jobs. Do your research uh, because if you go in knowing what you're going to expect and knowing what it is uh, and, and you're good with that, you're going to absolutely love it. Uh, you're going to absolutely love it. Uh, if you, but again, you're, read Keith Casey's blog post because Keith Casey does a great job of saying, this is what I loved. This is what I didn't like. If you go in expecting it's what you see at a conference and you, know, you see the developer evangelist get on stage and give a talk and then talk to people at a booth and having a good time and take people out for drinks or, or buy dinner or whatever it may be, and that's your expectation of the role, it is nothing like that. That's, that's literally you know, uh, eight hours of seeing them. What you're not seeing is the countless hours working on a plane, writing your presentation, being in an airport. Um, I, I, I'm trying to think which company it was. Um, I forget which company I spent two weeks of full time. So if you put all the hours together, two weeks worth of time, uh, sitting in airports and another week of time sitting in a plane, um, that didn't count all the, wow. the taxis, all the Ubers, which, you know, for me, an Uber is an hour each way to the airport. It didn't include the time. And, and usually it's a 30 minute to hour Uber to the hotel, unless it's right next to the airport that doesn't include, uh, you know, all the times that, uh, the conference centers or the events does include the times at the hotel. Um, I pick up my, 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 uh, fiance really quickly. Uh, cause she really got mad at me at first. Um, you know, she's like, you go out and she heard parties. She goes, all these developer parties, you do all this stuff. Like you have the best job in the world. I really think I have one of the greatest jobs in the world. I love my job. Um, and, and then she came to me to a com came with me to a conference and she wanted to go to the aquarium in uh, Atlanta. And so she asked me, when are we going to the aquarium? I said, we're going to go to the aquarium at 6 a.m. on Saturday morning before our 9 a.m. flight. Whoa. <laughs> 8 o'clock p.m., she calls me. Where are you at? I'm like, I'm at the conference. The conference ended. I'm like, yes, now I have to close down the booth. She didn't believe me. She walked from the hotel to come see what I was actually doing. <laughs> and she's like, oh, you're still working? I'm like, yes. And you know, we got back. She helped me take down, wait and take care of things. We got back around 10, 30, 11 o'clock at night. 
uh, knowing that we had to be back at the event center at 6 a.m. <laughs> the next morning. Mm-hmm. Um, and we did get to the aquarium. We got to the aquarium at 6 a.m. Uh, and I feel bad because she she saw me and she's like, why aren't you more excited? I'm like, I am excited. I just want to, I don't want to get on a plane. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm just so exhausted. Um, that's what people don't see. You know, they don't see going back and now having to justify that what you did and the, the price of the ticket and the price of this uh, to the to the company and, and explaining what the benefit was. Um, the other thing that, that people don't see is I'm very fortunate. I've been doing it for a while where I, I have airline status. I have hotel status. If you get into this, stick with one airline. I didn't do that with Constant Contact. I regretted it. Stick with one hotel if you can. Um, it changes the travel completely from being uh, stuck in you know the back row uh, you know, with a crying baby, which you know, uh, God bless the parents. I, you know, there's nothing that they can really do in that situation. Like it's not their fault. And and I love seeing kids on planes. It's just not great when it's the third red eye having to sleep and the baby's crying all night. Uh, and you also have no room and you're cramped and your seat doesn't recline. Um, versus you know, having a chance to upgrade to uh, you know, Comic Plus, wherever it is, and, and have a nicer seat from the reward miles. Uh, getting to a hotel where you know, they could care less if you, you have room to stay there or not versus, oh, yeah, you, uh, hey, it's great to see you again. Um, you know, that, that does make some differences. But like I said, what people see on the surface, it's like that iceberg. There's so much people don't see that you need to do your research, understand what you're getting into. Because again, if you, if you look at the bottom of the iceberg, you go, this is what I'm in for. This is what I'm excited about. It's a great job. If you don't, uh, you're going to be sadly disappointed and you're going to be exhausted and burnt out very quickly. And, and it ruins it for people. Again, if you go to the wrong company or you don't know what you're getting yourself into, it absolutely ruins uh, developer evangelism for people. Oh, that's a very, very uh, nice, clear uh, walkthrough of what it is to be like in the shoe of a developer marketing. I think it, you know, it's, it's uh, the, the only equivalency I can think of making is like as a developer. You know, people think, oh, you get to write code all day. It's really, really fun and exciting. There's a lot of pluses with being a developer. I love my time as a developer. But people saw me create the things I wanted to create versus being in a company, writing the code yeah. they want me to create the way they want me to create it uh, on their deadlines. You know, they, they missed the, hey, the sales guy sold this project for 40 hours. We know it really takes 200 hours, but you have to code it in 40 hours. And by the way, it's due next week, whether you sleep at the office or not. You know, they, they missed that part. Um, or uh, again, I'm going to pick up marketing. Uh, being a marketing mean as a developer, uh, not understanding the use of a developer's time. The you know, conversation was, what color of orange should we use? And I'm not going to name the company, but what color of orange should we use? It wasn't Ring Central, uh, since we have orange here. Uh, but what color of orange should we use? I attended probably eight hours worth of meetings as a developer to hear marketing discuss the color orange. It's like, I don't need to be there. You're taking from my coding time. And quite frankly, I was bored out of my mind. Um, you know, now I'm in marketing, we have meetings to plan meetings, but I, I'm, I'm just kidding. Um, you know, but again, as a developer, there's things you love about the job and there's things that you enjoy, but there's things that you probably didn't know going in or things that you'd want to warn somebody else about. Same thing with developer evangelism, except it's it's so different from programming that it's, it's like a brand new world because you're not a developer. You're a developer plus marketing, plus sales, plus customer service, uh, plus legal, plus brand. Uh, you, you're basically wearing all the hats and um, like I said, you're, you're, you're a one man or one woman uh, crew really responsible for doing it all. And, and that's the other thing is saying boundaries, like constant contact. I didn't know how to set boundaries. I gave away my personal number. Uh, thankfully with ring central, I give my ring central number, um, which goes to my cell phone. Um, but I would get home around midnight. 
go to sleep. I'd wake up at 6 a.m., start checking emails, head to the office, get home at midnight. Uh, and, and that became my life. When I, I left Constant Contact, I literally went withdrawals because I'd wake up to check emails and there'd be nothing to check. Um, you know, that's what people lose sight of. And, and having that personal boundary where I actually didn't get internet at my house. I did not have internet at my home. Uh, the first four years, I think it was, I did develop relations because that forced me to disconnect. That forced me to be offline. I had my phone, so I could always kept my phone if I had to, or my wife if I had to, if an emergency came up. But I didn't want to give myself the opportunity to be online because I knew that I had to take time to decompress and, and, and take care of myself. Again, we talk about physical health and, and mental health being so important. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm rambling here. Uh, I'm trying to lay these things out in a book as well. Uh, just know what, yourself you're getting, know what you're getting yourself into. Know that um, those of us that love the job, there's still plenty of things that we hate about the job or that we, we, we suffer through at times. Um, but that again, when you do it for the right reason, you do it for the community, uh, there's nothing I'd rather do. The next question, maybe you have partly answered, but just for clarity, I will uh, list down the four different roles developer evangelist, developer advocacy, developer relations, and developer marketing. Mm-hmm. Are these four roles means the same thing, or where do they overlap? That, that's a tough question. So developer relations, developer evangelism, and developer advocacy, typically, I'm going to throw a big disclaimer here, typically refer to the same thing. But again, it, it really depends on the company itself. Some companies, again, view developer relations as support. Some of them view it as you're just going on Stack Overflow answering questions. Some of them are you're going to events. Some of them are you're responding to emails. Um, some of them are you're writing blog articles or you're writing the technical documentation. Um, that's, that's the biggest challenge with this is Everyone means something different. So again, if you see developer evangelists, ask them what their expectations for the role are because you may be a technical writer. You may be a support specialist. You may be a field marketer. Um, you may be a solutions engineer. Um, and a lot of times, developer evangelists uh, wear all these hats. Uh, so it's something to be, to be aware of. Um, I, I can't tell you the number of times I've had customer calls or prospect calls to talk about the API when, you, when I was at uh, Constant Contact, MuleSoft, uh, Tiger, Ring Central, all those I'd be on calls with customers to talk about the technology. The one that typically means something different is developer marketing, but again, it, it's up to the company. Developer marketing typically is your messaging, your brand, your go-to-market strategy, your uh, product launching. So if somebody launches a new API or new developer product, what you know, the go-to-market in terms of enabling sales uh, to talk about it, enabling uh, developer teams to talk about it, uh, making sure you have the right web uh, content on the website, making sure that you have the right syndicated content, working with analysts or press, et cetera. Um, and, and those all fall under my, fall under my purview uh, at Ring Central under developer marketing. Uh, but again, it can also encompass the developer relations aspects. While my, my role, excuse me, at Ring Central has me going to talk to, you know, press and analysts or you know, talking to customers and doing the SE thing. I'm also answering questions every now and then on our forum or uh, Stack Overflow. Not as much because we have two great evangelists who are far more knowledgeable of the product and, and they're able to do that and I don't have the time to do it. But answering questions at uh, conferences, answering questions from email. If a customer, a strategic customer has an issue, uh, a lot of times it gets routed to me and I'll jump on a call with them and we'll go through the code. Uh, and that can be PHP code, yay. Uh, that makes me happy. It can be JavaScript, which that sounds good. It can be C-sharp where I'm sitting going, okay, I got to figure this out really quickly. Remember my work, last time I worked at C-sharp. Um, as well as 
of course, speaking at conferences, going to conferences, et cetera. Uh, so it really varies. Um, but uh, traditionally, if, if a company has a developer marketing and developer relations program, traditionally developer marketing is more the traditional marketing aspects of GTM uh, or, or go to market, uh, your branding, your messaging, um, your, again, your sales enablement, your, your ARPR, your analyst relations and press relations um, or public relations. Um, and, and DevRel is typically more going to conferences, speaking on technical, creating technical content, et cetera. Uh, it also depends on, on the skills you have. The reason why there's the overlap in my role uh, is because I'm able to, uh, uh, fortunately, you know, I have the technical chops where I can speak technically and write the technical articles. And I also have now the experience of marketing where I can do some of the marketing stuff, uh, although still learning and lots of learning in both er- both arenas. Um, and again, asking expectations, because if you go in and you're you're not technical and you're going into a DevRel role, making sure that's clear, and they may be perfectly okay. They may say, look, this person's technical. They've got this. We need you to do this. Um, our community manager, I, again, uh, technically she falls under developer marketing, but a lot of times that falls under developer relations. Uh, and a lot of times developer relations falls under marketing. Um, you know, she, she's not going to look through your code and tell you what's wrong with the code, although she she does have a great aptitude. Uh, and she often finds typos and stuff in my stuff that, that she'll catch, but that she's not a programmer. But she is very authentic. She's very engaging. She's very empathetic. Uh, you know, and, and she just has uh, an incredible way of communicating with people. And she does such a fantastic job of making our, our developers feel welcome and feel as a part of the community. Uh, and, and, and honestly, I would take that any day over, the, you know, having uh, deeper technical insights, but not having those capabilities. Uh, so again, it really depends on the company. Um, a lot of times developer relations is part of the marketing org. Uh, people ask me all the time, where does developer relations belong? Does it belong under biz dev? Does it belong under product? Does it belong under engineering? Does it belong under marketing? Does it belong under its own, uh, you know, silo or its own department? The answer to me is simple. It depends on where your biggest stakeholder is. If you have somebody in marketing who's excited about developer relations, developer marketing, and they're pushing for it and they get it, that's where developer relations belongs. If it's in product, that's in product. If it's you know, its own department, whatever it is, you have to have somebody who believes in what you're doing and buys into what you're doing. And it's going to really you know, be your advocate uh, with the executive team. Um, but yeah, that's a really long answer since there's typically some slight differences, but uh, it depends on the company. So don't, don't make any assumptions. You have some pretty impressive stats. Uh, I quote from your LinkedIn. You grew your developer community from 10,000 to over 50,000. You grew your organic traffic to your developer website by over 500%. And you grew your social media following from just 300 to over 40,000. I would like to ask you, I know a lot of these happen not just on online, but happens offline as well. But uh, with respect to different social media platform and uh, tech community, with respect to tech community outreach, what the medium or what social platform seems to be more efficient in this particular objective that you you set as a developer marketing? Yeah. So so again, I, I wish I could give a, a straight answer and say that you know the majority of developers are on. Twitter, or they're on Reddit, or they're on Hacker News, or or they're on Weaver, or they're on LinkedIn, or Facebook, or uh, Google Pages. Uh, just to throw that one out there because we had to make the big investment in Google Pages years ago before that shut down. Um, you know, there, there's so many mediums out there. 
Uh, the answer is, where are your developers? Where's your community? If your community is already established on a certain channel, that's where you should be focused. Um, typically, I start with Twitter because Twitter tends to be the, the easiest way to engage. It's an open channel. You can post news. People can follow. Uh, you know, we had a, an established Twitter. Um, and, and that's where you, know, you have to look at how do we do what's right for the community. Our established Twitter, we had a lot of followers who weren't developers. Uh, it wasn't the, the most uh, welcoming community. And we made the decision to get rid of uh, th those followers, um, you know, make sure we're following developers and take a very uh, community focused approach to our Twitter in terms of we're going to tell you news about us. But we also want to tell you what developers are talking about, other articles de developers have written, recognized developers, et cetera. Um, one of the, the fun things, and we haven't gotten to the stage yet at Ring Central, but when I was at MuleSoft, we went, we started with Twitter. Uh, and you, you know you're doing something right when the community starts creating communities. And so we actually had someone create a Facebook uh, community for MuleSoft. And, that, and it was an unofficial community for uh, probably about a year. It was just something that this person ran. They did it. Uh, they, they got, uh, I think, 100, 200 people in the community uh, and eventually reached out and said, we love what you're doing. We'd love to make this an official community. And this is also recognizing what the community is doing. Um, we've been watching this person. We knew this person. We knew how they interacted. We knew we could trust them. We said, we want to make this part of the official MuleSoft community. We want you to be an admin for the Facebook community. We want you, So we're not trying to take what you did. We're trying to bring it in and bring more people to you and recognize what you're doing. Uh, to this day, this person is still the admin of that community. That community has grown significantly. Uh, it, of course, is moderated and managed uh, by the, the MuleSoft community team. Uh, but that was organic. And I think that's probably the best way to go as you start building these communities, build a single channel that is going to be best for your developers, establish that channel, invest in that channel. Uh, and then as other channels grow organically, you know, bring them in. Or if you see the need for other channels, people are asking for bring it in. Um, but the biggest mistake people can do is try to manage five different channels and not have new content, not engage with those channels. And now you have dead communities out there that actually hurt your, you know, hurt the community, hurt your brand. Um, so that's where I would start. For us, uh, usually it's Twitter. Um, uh, there are a lot of companies that start with Slack and they create Slack channels um, or, or ring central channels and throw that out there. Um, with, with the Slack channels, those are great, but I have some challenges with Slack channels. You get Slack fatigue, you get overload. Uh, people have to join the channel. And it's also typically not public, and yes. so people can't see the news. So I think Slack is a really good medium, um, or whether it's uh, you know ring several teams group or uh, Discord group, or it may be. Um, uh, you know, I think there's a lot of great uh, solutions out there. But meet your developers where they are, and also have something where someone who isn't already part of your community can can pay attention, be a part of, uh, and feel welcomed. Um, I think that's the biggest mistake that most communities make is if you're not part of the established community. We, we, we neglect newcomers uh, or we focus on going just after the people we think are important. Um, the, the biggest benefit to the programs that we've had, uh, and we had to fight tooth and nail um, initially to, to do this, but every marketing program identifies influencers in their space. So you identify 100 influencers uh, in the communication space, for example. And you're going to go after those 100 influencers because those are the ones that are popular and people are talking to and, and you know, they're, they're the ones making all the noise. The problem is, that all of your competitors are going after those exact same 100 influencers. And so what happens is maybe you walk with six, they walk with five, that company walks with you know, eight, they walk with four, whatever it may be. And so basically you've had this huge war to, to have a draw. And, and it's not to say that, you, that these people aren't important and you don't want to engage them because they have the experience, they have the expertise, they have the knowledge and they can speak to you. 
But don't forget about the people who want to know more about the industry, who want to grow. Don't forget that they are the future influencers. And so while you focus on that 100 and you get that five, don't forget that thousand out there that are just hungry for knowledge and want to learn uh, and bring them into your community. And again, this isn't the ring central community. This, this, that's the other biggest misnomer that people make. People that join the you know, ring central developers and, and, and our ring central channels, that's not the ring central community. That's their community that we get to be a part of. They join because they, they like what we're doing. They join because they want to learn more. But we are a member of the community just as they are. You know, we, 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 I, we try to be a guardian of the community, make decisions. And, and obviously, if there's arguments or things or inappropriate things, take action to make sure everyone feels welcome. But at the end of the day, we have to be in good standing with them just about as much as we want them to be in good standing with each other. Um, so, again, take an approach that's community-oriented community first. Understand that you're a member of the community. It's not your community. Um, and let your community guide where you need to go and what channels you need to be on and how to interact. Uh, and again, they're going to provide feedback uh, and tell you what you're doing and telling you what you're doing wrong. Um, I, I have yet to find a developer that has had an issue telling me what I'm doing wrong. Uh, you know, we've got a lot of great feedback. And sometimes we look and say, you know what, we appreciate your perspective. We want to try this. Um, and we're candid about it. We're going to try this. And if it works, great. If not, we'll go back to drawing board. And sometimes it's, hey, this is great feedback. I'm glad you called me out and I need to improve. Um, so that's a long way of saying go to the channels that your communities are using or where they're already at. Start there first. Wonderful. All right. Next to session two, I would like to know about your creative side. Uh, when you are not using your brain power, uh, when your mind is calm, what are you doing? What are the creative stuff that you're doing? Before you answer, I recall that I saw somewhere on social media that you do acting. I don't, I don't know if it is a part-time job of yours or is it a hobby? Over to you. Uh, so so uh, in terms of using my brain power, I gave my... Now it's time for you to be a game changer with the Ring Central Developers Game Changer Program. Grow your skills, help others in the community, and get rewarded with awesome prizes like RingCentral swag, conference tickets, software, iPads, computers, and so much more. Don't just be a developer, be a game changer and join the program today. For more information, visit developers.ringcentral.com. Fiance would question uh, whether I use my brain ever uh, or the brain power there. Uh, but no, I, I honestly, I, I love coding. Uh, community is my passion. So when I'm not doing it for my job, I try to to focus on the community uh, elsewhere. Uh, you brought up the acting. Uh, I am a hobbyist actor. Uh, I actually got injured in a basketball game. And so I had a, a scar for the longest time. And so I play like really like angry roles. And so I, I, I've kind of not done anything for a while. Uh, but my, my uh, oh. you know, I do have an IMD uh, page that you can check out. Yeah. Um, I... <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what to say about that. Uh, outside of that, uh, you know, I'll try to play some video games. Uh, I, I'm very blessed with a, you know, with my fiance who puts up with me somehow. So I spend time with her. I enjoy watching movies. Uh, speaking of movies, if people had a chance to watch uh, Shang-Chi and the Legend of Ten Rings, uh, just watch that excellent movie. It's, probably, it's one of the better uh, Marvel movies out there, I think, uh, personally. So I recommend watching that. Um, We'd go watch that. Yeah, you know, I, I try to go out and, and get some exercise every now and then. Uh, I, I'm terrible at basketball. I'm terrible at volleyball, but I try to play that. Um, and, and then, uh, you know, I have a side project, uh, which I think we'll talk about later, uh, Nomad PHP, where 
um, you know, that, that takes up a lot of time. And, and I just feel very blessed to uh, try, try to pay it forward because again, growing up, uh, I didn't have a lot of resources available to me uh, initially. And I had to learn a lot of things myself. And, and thankfully I got connected with the community and the internet started growing and, and the community really took me and helped me grow. Uh, but, you know, I want to make sure that we have the resources for others so that they don't have a local meetup, that they can attend meetups, or if they can't afford to go to a conference, they can stream a conference online and watch the sessions there. Um, so that, that's my other uh, passion project. But I don't know. Uh, I, I don't know if there's a, I, I feel like uh, the, the creative side is gone completely with all the, all the marketing and, and development stuff, but uh, uh, definitely try to stay busy. Okay, section three. This is the rapid fire round. First one, PHP from scratch or PHP using a framework? I actually like PHP from scratch um, because it lets me be a little more creative. It lets me try things. And again, I don't get to code that much anymore. Um, but I think it depends on what you're working on. You know, uh, I feel like you're not a real PHP developer if you haven't built your own framework. I, I say that in jest because I think so many developers have built their own frameworks. You know, and, and frameworks can definitely speed things up. And there's a lot of great frameworks out there. But for me, it, it's from scratch. And by the way, I just want to clarify, for those that, that took any offense to what I said, it was a joke. If you haven't built a framework, it's because <laughs> I know, for most of us, I know, have like, yeah, hey, create this brand new framework. It's like, yes, we have Laravel, we have Yi, we have Zen, or uh, now Laminus, we have Symphony, we have, like, no, no, I built another one. Next one, coding or spending time doing uh, developer marketing, like, like you're doing? Ooh, ooh. Okay, uh, can I say both? Because there are times where I okay. absolutely just want to code. And I love coding. I get lost in the code. And there are times where I just, I, I love the dope marquee aspect. Like that's why it's a perfect job for me is because I get to do both. Um, but I'll tell you right now, uh, if I had to code 24 seven and hopefully this doesn't bite me uh, with a future employer, I'd probably go a little bit uh, stir crazy. And if I had to you know do marketing 24 seven, I'd definitely go a little bit stir crazy. The answer, tea or coffee? Oh, tea, without question. Uh, that being said, I, I've learned to drink tea the right way. I worked at uh, Tigera, which was a, a company with a British founder. And so I have to have uh, the, the tea with the milk. I do that correctly. If you see me with a coffee, it's a very bad sign. Coffee basically means I have nothing left in the tank. And this is my <laughs> only way I can stay away. <laughs> Most people see me probably think coffee more for tea just because of that. But no, I, I'm a tea person. Windows or Mac? So again, if I offend anybody, I apologize. Uh, I've used, I have to use both, uh, but, but I'm definitely a Mac guy. What are you not very good at? Oh man, a lot of things. So I, one thing I'll share is singing. I'm not a very good singer. I'm a terrible singer. Uh, and that's why I have singing on my uh, Twitter handle as a joke. And I, I put it on there because somebody actually added me to a singing group or a singing list. When I say how bad my singing is, uh, when I was younger, I was singing in the church choir and my pastor uh, called me aside and he said, I just want to talk to you about your, your spiritual growth. I said, absolutely. And we started going through verses and you read a verse and we would talk about the verse, read a verse, talk to a verse. And he went up Psalms and in Psalms, there's a verse that says, make a joyful noise unto the Lord. And he looked at me, he goes, now, Michael, the key word here is joyful. And that's when I realized I couldn't sing. <laughs> If you were not uh, into the tech world, into the next oh, tech niche, world. Uh, what would you have been doing? Yes, if, if I wasn't in tech, emergency medical services. So I have, before I got in tech, I worked in EMS. I'm just going to say this right now, and uh, you know, hopefully, again, I don't offend people, but I'm going to call it like I see it: the the paramedics out there, and the EMTs, the firefighters, you know, law enforcement puts their life out there every day. 
I, I've had the privilege of seeing what's like from that end. I've had the privilege of responding to several different types of situations uh, and seeing both both sides of the story, seeing what happens at the scene and seeing what happens behind the scenes. And, and these men and women sacrifice so much. They go through so much. They have so many challenges. You know, they, they've seen things that most of us hope we never have to see. Like we see like gore on TV or something and, and they've seen things a million times worse that they're not allowed to show them on TV. Um, you know, they've been with people at their worst moments. Um, they've dealt with the worst humanity. They've also seen people at their best and, and uh, you know, they've seen all sides of the coin. Uh, and so just a, a tremendous shout out to him because no matter what you do in the EMS field, you do something wrong. You know, if you're a paramedic and, and the person can't be saved, uh, you know, it's still your fault somehow. If uh, you're a firefighter and the burning builds, it burns down, you know, why didn't you, why didn't you get there sooner? Or if you're in law enforcement, uh, you know, law enforcement gets a bad rap. And, and that's not to say there aren't things that can be improved in law enforcement and there aren't things that should happen. I think you know, one of the biggest things that's, that needs to happen there is, is community law enforcement, law enforcement and the community working together. And right now it feels like they're really pushing against each other. Um, you know, but seeing what the, these men and women do every day that doesn't get reported in the news, it seems like only when bad things happen uh, and the sacrifices they make. Um, the one thing I'll share, and again, I, I have so many friends and I've worked with these people you know, on the front line. What people don't see is the tears. You know the the impact how much people these people care. Um, I, I've seen firefighters in tears. I've seen paramedics in tears. I've seen law enforcement in tears. Um, and, and we don't, you know, they they don't show that. They don't let people see that. Uh, but the work they do is just so tremendous, so impactful, and so important. Um, that honestly, you talk about jobs that people don't understand and people don't, you know, see the iceberg. Those are those jobs. Um, and uh, you know, I, I think. That those people are my heroes. Same with with nurses in the ER, doctors, etc. Those are my heroes. Uh, so if I wasn't doing tech, I, I'd probably absolutely go back to uh, EMS and uh, you know try to help people that way. Um, while, while understanding that again, uh, again, we, if if you see someone in this field, and again, everybody's gonna agree with me, and people have different perceptions, and, and there's a lot of work to be done, and I'm not trying to take anything away from that. Um, but the sacrifices these people make, just you know, if you have the chance, tell them thank you because uh, I'll tell you, those are not words that they hear very often. Yeah, so so you messed up. I want to shut the box. I apologize. <laughs> no, no, no. Just this answer here gives a lot of cues of how much uh, of a kind-hearted person you are, and it confirms that I was initially saying that you are one of the most kind person that I have met in the community, and this this answer resonates very much. Well, thank Next you. I, mean, I, I feel so blessed because. Again, I have the privilege of knowing people like yourself, you know, and um, we talk about kindness and, uh, you know, doing what's best for the community or helping others or acting with empathy. There are so many people in the community who have raised this bar so high um, that I'm, I'm doing, you know, I, I, someday I want to meet that bar. Someday uh, I hope people go, you know, man, the nicest people you got was Sam, you got Cal, you know, you got Rob, you got Larry, uh, Garfield and Larry Ullman, uh, you got Sarah Goldman, Sammy Kay, uh, you know, uh, Liz Naramore, uh, Elizabeth Beth Tucker. There's so many people out there. Uh, I hope some people will go, you know what? Mike's also a pretty good guy. He's not, he's not quite up to that bar. He's not quite as nice and as, you know, uh, uh, caring and giving as those people are, but, you know, hopefully someday uh, they'll say, but, but, but he, 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 he's sort of there. <laughs> no, sir. You are very much up there. I assure you.
Well, I, I, I do appreciate that. And again, I'm thankful for, for all you've done and all you continue to do, uh, both with 7PHP and, of course, now with Voice of the Elephant. I'm really looking forward to, to see the future of Voice of the Elephant. And give some reprieve from Cal's joke. He's, he's gone. I can say that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> hey, Cal, I love your joke. <laughs> okay. Uh, next question. One person you admire in the PHP community? Yeah, I mean, I have to go back to... Man, uh, there's That's a lot a tough of question I do. A lot of people I admire. Um, you know, there's several people who get recognition and people who don't get recognition. But I'm going to name two different people here. And, and I'm going to name these people, but I want to be very careful because, again, everyone I've named so far and many, many more have impacted me uh, so incredibly. Um, and so one person I'm going to call out is Cal Evans because Cal Evans has done so much for the community. Uh, I, I think I see him at every conference. He's speaking. He's helping. He's personally mentored me so many times to give me advice. Um, you know, the privilege to uh, you know, be on Nomad when he ran Nomad, the privilege to be on Day Camp for Developers, uh, Voice of the Elephant, uh, just all the things he runs to better the community. Um, and, and for all the work Cal puts in, I don't know if he gets the recognition he deserves. So I'm going to give I'm going to call out Cal and say, uh, Cal is one of my, my personal heroes. Uh, you're one of my personal heroes. Again, all the work that you do that, uh, I, you know, I don't think you recognize how much work you've done oh, and thank you you, so much. all the work you do with MPHP, et cetera. Um, Michael Bork is another person I want to call out. Michael Bork uh, doesn't get uh, a lot of recognition or credit or the credit he deserves, I think, in this. When you look around at the community conferences, um, you have Northeast PHP, which is currently dormant, but you have Cascadia PHP, Longhorn PHP, Sunshine PHP, Midwest PHP, uh, and of course you had others that, that have come and gone. Those all started because of Northeast PHP, which was really founded by by Michael Bork, uh, Peter McIntyre, and team. Um, you know, he created this this idea of a community conference where people would go there for ninety nine bucks. You could have a two day conference with all these sessions, and that was actually the first place I had a chance to speak. Uh, and I remember. Uh, first time I met Michael Bork, I uh, got to the hotel a little bit early, sat down. We probably talked for two hours that night just talking. And, and he's just such a great guy. He's he's always been there. He's so caring. He's such a great mentor. Um, you know, he, he gave me the chance. And then he also really set the model uh, because immediately after Northeast PHP, uh, Adam Culp and I uh, had a conversation. And Adam was thinking about starting Sunshine PHP. I was thinking about starting Midwest PHP. Uh, and around the same time, we launched both of those. And neither one of those would have probably happened if it wasn't Northeast PHP. And so, uh, you know, I really consider Michael Bork the, the godfather. Uh, you know, Cal's the godfather of PHP. I'm going to consider Michael Bork the godfather of community conferences. Um, he, he really made that happen and really changed. Uh, the, from having to go fly to Chicago or fly to Las Vegas or San Jose to go to a, a big conference to, you know, go to the community conferences. Um, I want to give a couple shout outs uh, to some more people. Um, and this is kind of on my own personal path because again, these are people in the community that people probably don't hear a lot about or may not see speaking at conference. Um, but, uh, Jim Miller, uh, you know, I took a job. I mentioned the job where, uh, I didn't know what OOP was or, or multidimensional arrays. Uh, John Miller, uh, or sorry, John Miller, Jim Miller took me under his wing and Jim really mentored me and helped me grow. And you know, he does so much for the community in Minnesota, and, and he, he's such a good guy, such a caring guy. Again, you talk about that bar being so high. Jim Jim raises the bar so high. Uh, John Vote uh, helped me grow and mentored me uh, significantly, uh, and helped me grow my skills. And you know, John lays pretty low, but again, one of the nicest guys you'll meet. And then uh, Michael Banks, uh, who Cal and I were, were teasing a bit earlier. Um, 
Mike has been a tremendous mentor. He gave me the opportunity at Caring Bridge. Uh, he helped me grow my skills. He pushed me beyond what I was comfortable coding wise to help me grow and get that next level. And, and you know, at the time he was leading uh, the Midwest or in the Midwest, the Minnesota PHP user group. Uh, he pushed me to that. Uh, the idea for a conference in Minnesota actually came from Mike Wilbanks, who said, someday I want this. Um, and, uh, you know, the difference between Mike Wilbanks and I is I think I'm a little bit crazier. And I said, let's do it now. <laughs> uh, it made that happen. But, you know, that wouldn't have been possible without him, without Jonathan Sunquist, who ran Midwest PHP for many, many years. Uh, Mike Wilbanks, who took over for you know a year or two and then, again, kept it going. So that's a lot of names. Uh, but, again, looking back, and that's why the community is so important. It's not one person that's going to impact you. It's not one person that's going to change your, your trajectory. Uh there can be people you think of that said they said this or they did this, but there's all those other people that that help you in, in the meantime or or nudge you or help you grow. And and even the list I gave is so incomplete and is missing so many people, um, you know that that, that I, I should be calling out. But um, that, that's, I, I, if I give a shout to everybody, we're gonna be here for another hour or two or or three or four hundred years. No, but the committee is such that everyone is doing great job and it's difficult to pinpoint one of them i understand this question is very very tough one php user group that stands out one php user, I'm a, okay I'm a, this is i'm gonna get myself in trouble because it's not really a <laughs> user group anymore and i'm gonna be biased i'm gonna say nomad php um so nomad php okay. as an online user group it's really gone to uh, monthly meetings and virtual meetings um uh but it, it's it's a it's a great group um and so if you don't have a local meetup or you can't get to a local meetup, go to my PHP. There's over 300 plus conference videos on there, monthly live talks, a lot of resources. Please check it out. Uh, and again, there's a free subscription. There's pro subscriptions. If you can't afford the pro subscriptions, email me. We'll take care of it. Um, again, that's important for you to have access to, to those materials to build a curl. Um, but the one other meetup that stands out. Uh, was a meetup I discovered by mistake, and that's the Greenville, South Carolina PHP meetup group. Um, I was in Greenville, South Carolina for a, a, a what was it? What's it called? A Rest Fest. Uh, and I just discovered on meetup.com that they had a meetup like that night or the night before, and I pinged them and they let me attend. And, and it was just the nicest group of people, most welcoming group of people. Uh, so the Greenville, South Carolina meetup group, I don't think gets a lot of uh, Credit, but awesome group. Um, and of course, uh, some of the bigger groups out there, uh, shout out to Atlanta PHP. Uh, they're, they're an awesome meetup group. Uh, Chicago PHP. Um, you know, Chicago PHP group actually uh, disappeared for a while. And I had a chance to go in and speak at uh, when they restarted it. And just okay. how much they care about the community and the people there is, is just incredible. Uh, Minnesota PHP is a group I have to call out because otherwise I'll get in trouble. Uh, and I feel like I have to call out San Francisco PHP or East Bay PHP because uh, if I don't do that, um, I'll, I'll be excommunicated from those groups. One person, project, or community that you feel is underrated? Oh, man. Um, you know, there's, there's actually a couple. You know, one, one community that I would love to see come back more strongly is PHP Women uh, because you know, as difficult as it was for me to learn code and the mistakes I made, you know, the community was there and helped me. But I didn't have to deal with some of the things that other people have to deal with. Um, you know, uh, I'm a, you know, uh, so some of my very good friends have received comments in their inboxes that, that are absolutely inappropriate and no one should ever have to deal with or had their credibility challenged, you know, just because, uh, you know, of the way that they look or the way they act or whatnot. It's unfortunate. I mean, no one should be judged. You don't judge a book by a cover, and no one should be judged 
that way I receive messages or be treated as an object. And yet we do have people in the community that are, are treated that way and are trying to grow uh, their skills and want to be involved in the community, but they're, they're having bad experiences. Uh, and I think groups like PHP Women um, and, and other groups, um, there's a, a group that's not PHP specific, but 757 color coded is another group that I want to uh, a shout out um, by uh, Guillermo Fisher. Um, you know, that, that really work to make sure that everyone feels included and, and that they have the resources and that they can support each other. I feel that's something that is um, underrepresented and, and underappreciated right now is, is those groups. And, and that's something I want to see grow because we had some really great leadership. Uh, unfortunately, um, again, it's time consuming and people have lives. And so yes, you have kids and things and you're not able to spend much time. And, and I think looking for more people to pick up that mantle. Um, because those groups were all about educating and bringing inclusivity. And that's the other thing I think is so important and so underrated was the manner in which they went about uh, bringing inclusivity and, and having conversations. Um, you know, so often now, and I'm gonna get myself in trouble, I'm apologize. Um, and, and this may be the thing that gets me fired, but so often right now we see people that react so negatively or they talk at people or they, they push agendas uh, versus having conversations and assuming that um, people can be better, people can learn from their mistakes. Um, you know, we have cancel culture really hard. This group really went about saying, okay, there are jerks. And then there are people who want to help that just don't know how. And there are people who've made mistakes. And let's give people the benefit of doubt to another jerk. If they're a jerk, get rid of them by all means. Like, let's not, yeah. let's not allow jerks in our community. But yes. let's, let's also not, you know, try to destroy someone's livelihood because of one comment. Um, and they did such a good job educating and bringing people together. I'd love to see those groups really grow and come back and be strong. Um, and then the other one uh, that I think, uh, I don't think it's underrated. I, I think people, I think hopefully it's getting the recognition it deserves. I think it deserves more recognition, but uh, definitely needs our support is OSME, open sourcing mental illness. Um, you know, it, it's incredible. Uh, but I, you know, I think every person, whether we want to admit or not, has gone through something at some point in our lives where we've had a moment where we've been down or we've been knocked out or, you know, uh, and again, there's such a, a stigma still around mental, uh, mental health. Uh, again, it's, it's health, you know, uh, your brain controls everything. So if you take care of your body, you don't take care of your mind. You, you, it's like taking care of the interior of your car and not taking care of the engine or taking care of the tires, and not taking care of the engine, but eventually it's, it's not going to work. Um, and so it's important for us to continue having those conversations and continue elevating that and continue encouraging businesses and companies to, to get involved. Um, but, but those are, those are the, probably the, the three groups I feel are, are underrated. And uh, I know there are plenty of other organizations and groups that, I'm not familiar with. They're doing great, great work, and, and those should be elevated as well. I just, and that's where hopefully other people can elevate them, bring them to our attention, so we can talk about them. Man, I love how thoughtful you answer. So, well, it's uh, my my, my uh, fiance will tell you I, I have no problem talking. <laughs> 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 no, no, give me the shop is a different story. She says, but. No, I, I, again, she, she's a wonderful, wonderful person. I'm so grateful, uh, you know, that, that she puts up with me. So, uh, as, as I make these jokes, I, I know one that as she sees it, she'll laugh. And number two, I'll pay for it later. <laughs> okay. I have two two more questions, and then we okay. One PHP project that you really appreciate. Again, I'm biased. I'm saying no, my PHP. Um, and. and uh, I mean this not because I'm running Nomad PHP now, but when Cal started Nomad PHP, I loved that he created something that didn't exist when I started learning. I love that he created a thing that I could have used and I could have grown from um, be, be, you know, before I had the chance to introduce the community. 
Um, I wish something like Nomad PHP had existed where I could have come in, watched these videos, learned, connected uh, with all these amazing community members uh, you know, and been able to grow more quickly. Um, and so that's probably my, my favorite PHP project. Uh, my second favorite PHP project um, is actually something that I literally show everyone when I start a developer marketing program, developer relations program, and that's the PHP documentation. Uh, and, and the team behind PHP Docs. Uh, PHP is probably the best documentation um, of any programming language out there. Uh, they have the best practices. And really, every person I, I show or we build a program, I say, look at php.net, look at their docs. This is what we want to attain. Um, so PHP Docs. And, and that also, you know, that's underrated because there's a lot of work that goes into that. There's a lot of work the team does uh, in making that uh, so we can all use it. Um, and, and I don't think we appreciate how much work goes behind the scenes there. Uh, same thing with Quark PHP. It's all work that we just use it. It just works. Or if it doesn't, we complain or we complain about needle haystack, haystack needle. Uh, but the team has done so much work on that. Um, so those, those are three projects. And of course, uh, there have been numerous projects that, that I've had the chance to use, uh, whether it's Symphony and the numerous uh, modules for Symphony, whether it's Zen Now Laminus, uh, Laravel, um, WordPress, uh, Drupal. Uh, I pick on Joomla all the time, but you know, having used Joomla back in the day, uh, uh, another one that I appreciate: PHP classes. Uh, PHP classes by uh, Manuel Lewis, uh, or sorry, Manuel Lemeth. I'm butchering names today. This is terrible. Um, but with uh, you know, PHP classes, that's where I learned. That was the GitHub before GitHub. That's where I went to you know learn how to write PHP code, learn how to improve my code understand how classes worked, et cetera. So um, yeah, there, there's several, but again, I think, you know, my PHP, I have to call out because I'd get myself in trouble if I didn't. Um, again, PHP docs. Nomad PHP is definitely, uh, you're doing a, a very good job with Nomad PHP. Even Galt said, you're taking Nomad PHP to angles that he did not even consider. I have a lot of questions and uh, that I want to ask you. Maybe in another session, I'll get you for Nomad PHP and we can have a chat because I think it's important to know how it transitioned and where it is going because it is pretty much the only PHP uh, learning platform which is PHP centric. You're doing doing it uh, out out of the way like it's it's fantastic. So I would truly love to have you for a specific session on Nomad PHP. I I'd absolutely love to. Um, and again, uh, I, I can give you the very quick answer, which is. Nomad PHP is what I wish I had when I was growing up, when I was learning. Uh, and Khaled did so much with Nomad PHP, and you know, he made all that possible. I think he may not realize it, but he set the vision for everything that is. Um, so uh, I have to give credit where credit's due. Um, but yeah, I'd, I'd love to talk with you another time on Nomad PHP. And sure. you know, anybody who's interested now who hears about it, uh, if, if you can afford the subscription, that's fantastic because it allows us to support the community. If you can't afford the subscription, uh, just just email me uh, or contact me through the form and we're going to hook you up with a free subscription or free professional subscription because we think it is that important. And, and again, so many people have done so much for me. It's the least that I can do to pay it forward. Last question. Uh, one fact about PHP or the community itself that people might not know. I, I think everybody knows about the PHP 6 debacle. Um, but maybe, maybe for new people that, that aren't familiar, um, if you ever look at PHP, you'll notice there's, you know, it starts at three, goes to four, five, yeah. seven, eight. <laughs> um, you know, and also kind of the naming of PHP, how PHP, uh, PHP becomes such a 
redundant uh, name. It used to be personal homepages. Now it's uh, PHP, the PHP programming language. Um, but uh, this is the great thing about the community. And, and this is where communities are like families. And that is that families, you know, a healthy family, a functional family, loves each other. They support each other. They're there for each other, but they still fight. You still have brothers and sisters to have rivalries. You know, my, my brother just sent me a photo where they had siblings like literally eyeballing, like, is the glass the same level? Are we getting the same exact amount? Pulling out a tape measure to see if they're cutting the item exactly in half. Um, and you see how the PHP community as well. We, you know, uh, every, every, I think there's a lot of people that, that care for each other, but we do have some, some challenges. The community. And, and one of the funnier moments was we, as, start driving this concept of PHP 6. And so they start putting together what PHP 6 would look like. And there are a lot of good things in PHP 6. Um, and they're having the conversations and they're trying to do what's best for the programming language. Uh, and I'm not going to name names because actually a good friend of mine got ahead of this curve too. Uh, but then you're like, okay, the publisher's like, we need to get ahead of the curve. We need to start publishing books and telling people about PHP 6. So they'll buy the books, will be the first one to market, and you know, they, they can use it when it comes out. And so a whole bunch of books started being published on PHP 6. And the only problem with that is they looked at PHP 6 and said, actually, we can do some better things. <laughs> we can change you know, certain aspects of the engine, for example, fundamentals. And now we had a problem. Because we had books about PHP 6 that were not accurate and did not reflect what PHP 6 was going to be. Uh, and, and so you can still buy books on PHP 6, which does not exist. And it literally became a, a family table discussion, that Thanksgiving discussion, you know, where everybody gets home at Thanksgiving to talk religion and politics. We had our, should it be PHP 6 or PHP 7 conversation? Uh, and uh, there are a lot of thoughts both ways, and it was being argued, you know, people want to know we're going to be PHP 6, it's the publisher's fault, there'll just be this misinformation. The people said, no, we can't do that, the community made PHP 7. And, and ultimately, PHP 7 won out. So PHP 6, while it did actually technically exist in development, never actually existed in production, uh, and, and became PHP 7 for that reason that some publishers jumped the gun. Um, by the way, I don't think any publishers are writing books about PHP uh, uh, 8, 4, or 8, 9, or 9, or anything like that yet. I think they're holding off now to see what actually gets released. <laughs> There's also more stories, but I said, uh, are things out, uh, conferences, other thing I'll share is conferences. If you have a chance to go to a conference, uh, stick around. Uh, some of the most insightful uh, and best conversations happen either during the hallway track. Uh, which are either between sessions or people just didn't find a session they want to go to, or the after-after party. Now, the after-after party is the party after the after party where people had, maybe they had a beer or, or a whiskey or something, and now they've decided that they should go to the liquor store, get a big giant bottle of stuff, and spend the next eight hours until the conference starts talking. Um, and I will tell you that... Uh, even if you don't drink, you don't have to drink. People, people don't drink. You come in there, you get a chance to meet people, talk to people. You won't get any sleep. It's some of the, the best times I've had with the community. Um, but you also have some Whoa. memories you won't forget. Uh, you know, uh, I've heard stories of chairs and, and hotel stairways. Uh, uh, I'm sure there's stories about me, which uh, hopefully all good. Um, <laughs> no, but again, it just like it's, it, that's that's one of the better ways to get to know yes, people yes. can be members is yes, stick around after the conference. Don't leave after the sessions um, because yep. the other great thing or crazy thing, the people at these after after parties, and I'm going to 
pretty sure I'm getting excommunicated from PHP community for saying this. It's like the, the key people you hear about all the time. Uh, you know, it's, it's the speakers, it's the core contributors, it's the people, because that's our chance to connect with people in person that they, you know, talk to online. And everyone is welcome. Stick around, pull up a chair. Uh, we, we'd love to have you there. We'd love to get to know you. Uh, as long as you promise not to share uh, any, any stories uh, when we fall off our chair because we had too many uh, vodka teas. Who, I, I don't know who did that. I'm not going to name any names, but um, yeah, those stories never come to light. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's it, uh, Mike. It was uh, an awesome conversation, very thoughtful, very deep. Audience, I hope you have enjoyed this conversation as much as I have. And if you like what we are doing, uh, please uh, help share this episode around. If you think that we can improve, please, by any means, get back to us and let us know how we can improve. With that, I would say goodbye and thank you for listening. Mike, thank you very much. Thank you so much. I appreciate being here. And and for everybody listening, uh, see, this is the difference. Where, where it seems as I'm nice. This is where my not nice it comes out. If you haven't subscribed to these podcasts, subscribe. You don't want to miss these speakers. Uh, I know you're probably going, man, I made it through two hours with Mike, and this guy's boring. Uh, Wasim has so many great guests coming up. There's so many great people in the community. Subscribe. Watch these podcasts. And Wasim, what you're doing. I'm so glad to see this continue, and, and so glad you're taking this over. So thank you for going to be here. Thank you for running this. Thank you, Mike. Thanks for listening to Voices of the Elephant. Voices of the Elephant is copyright EICC Incorporated and released under a Creative Commons attribution, no derivatives, share and share alike license. To nominate someone to be a guest on Voices of the Elephant, visit our website and click on the nominate link. The URL is voicesoftheelephant.com. Elephant is, of course, spelled E-L-E-P-H-P-A-N-T.